When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to this podcast. This is episode 61. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Jonathan Kulan in Mr. and Mrs. Saga. Hello there. All righty then. So let's, uh, oh, do we have some, we have some fact check? We do. Honey. And it was related to the fact that we were wondering, given that um, the Synth Sutra was able to do a mind meld with Dr. Gerardi, we're like, huh, we didn't know that androids or synths could do that. But it turns out this is actually well established in canon way back in the original series where Spock mind melds with the Changeling probe in the episode the changeling and it, it, the youtube video linked here that was going around the interwebs which is what i found is a spock mind melding with coffee maker was that the one that was like uh looking for the creator and yeah so it was something like, it's one that became v'ger in in the first movie right yeah they, people were saying that this was basically the the plot of tmp the the motion picture that was uh you know many years before so the predecessor of that yeah i was watching that one on uh, on the tv the other day it's cool interesting episode mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so now we know you you can indeed mind meld with a uh with a synth and perhaps star trek picard says that it can go the opposite way too yeah i haven't been sleeping at night and that's probably why thinking about that <laughs> <laughs> all righty um so let's jump into the headlines and you're up again hi man yeah um apple tv plus now has a new show called um oprah talks COVID 19 and she does remote interviews with folks uh, like in this case idris elba who uh, tested positive maybe like a week or so ago um, i haven't watched it myself because i've uh you know i see a lot of that sort of stuff during the day with the the news updates um but i think if anybody could turn this into a more uh uplifting sort of take on the topic, I would guess that Oprah would be the right person. And you get a ventilator. And you get a ventilator. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's weird to see all the sort of COVID. There's a the podcast now called uh, COVID something or other that I keep getting notified about every day. And it's like, oh, like so-and-so likes this episode of, of uh, whatever podcast du jour about COVID-19. Really exciting stuff. Like, like we don't have enough of it already, right? All right. What's next? Yeah, these next three Razzle links that we'll have in the show notes for those of you who 
transporting at home are pretty much the same thing, but with different providers. So just about every streaming thingy that you can think of is uh, is reducing its streaming quality to help the uh, the whole broadband network congestion problem. So that would be uh, Amazon, YouTube, Netflix, which we talked about before, and Apple TV Plus, probably others. These are just the ones I noticed during the week uh, are all sort of doing their part to reduce traffic on the interwebs as we're all stuck at home doing uh, Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Skype and probably watching some Netflix and Apple TV <laughs> Plus and Disney Plus. Did, uh, so I know we talked about this last week and it was focused on Europe, right? They were That's where the things were coming down. Is, is Are any of these in North America as well? Or uh... I'd have to check the individual links. I thought that some of these had made it the case worldwide, um, but unclear to me. Yeah, right. on March. This is written on March twentieth. It says that so far streaming in the U.S. does not seem to be affected. Why would they? Why are they picking on Europe though? Well, I think it was mandated, wasn't it? I think they were asked by. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, and right. I don't know okay. if that was um, like in advance, like in terms of being thoughtful and diligent, or if it was reactive, right? Because the, the positive take on it would be, oh, we want to make sure that there's not any issues and that uh, business continuity is not disrupted, that people doing online classes. You know, students aren't disrupted. The cynical take would be, or the pessimistic take would be, oh, I, maybe Europe's infrastructure is so creaky that it really can't handle all these people mm-hmm. being locked down at one no, time. I that don't could know. be true, too. Because either either one could be, but I'm like, mm, the United States isn't that good. We, we largely pay the most for the worst. Yeah. Uh, or we're very close to it. So I'm surprised that we're not running into issues. Yeah. It does say here, decision comes after EU industry chief Terry Bertone called for on-streaming platforms to help reduce their load on the continent's infrastructure. Oh, yeah. Interesting. All right. I'm surprised it's not being done in the States, to be honest with you, the population you guys have. And on a cheery note, what's next? Yeah, it's cheery. It, it's still, it's, it's cheerier, right? It's still related to COVID-19, but it, it's a more positive one. So the uh, Disney Pixar film Onward, um, after only being in the theaters for like a week or two, is going to be on digital platforms. Well, it says today, what day was that? March 20th. So as of Friday, um, you could, you know, rent, download sort of thing. And now it'll be on Disney Plus on April 3rd. So I guess if you really wanted to own it, you know, rather than, than having it uh, be part of your never-ending Disney Plus subscription, you could you could buy it now while it's still, you know, warm in the theater. And <laughs> right, then, right. if you didn't, it was like, oh, just wait and watch it with the kiddos on Disney Plus. Yeah. Aren't the theaters in the States closed like they are here in Canada? Yeah. Um, and that's that's sort of the, the way the world is right now, isn't it? It's, uh, it's really weird. And I think last week we had talked about, like, hey, here's some of these universal movies that are going to go from theater onto, you know, uh, streaming platforms or rental platforms. We've talked about some that are going to launch on there. Uh, this one's kind of in between because it had just come out. Right, right. Yeah, I noticed that the uh, the Invisible Man's on the, the Disney box or the Apple TV box uh, earlier today. That was, th- th- that that didn't have a theater theatrical debut, didn't it? I think it had just come out, didn't it? Yeah, it yeah, was like out, week, but it was yeah. only out for a very short while. The same with uh, The Hunt right. and there was uh, Emma. There was right. a few of them that were like in the theater as recently as you know right before they closed that are now available for for rent and, and ownership right, i guess right and we've talked about other other there are there are many films coming out that were meant to be in the theater that are going to go right to streaming services do we know i guess we'll find out i mean they've delayed a lot of the blockbustery stuff right they've uh okay, the, the big yeah. the big stuff is definitely still they're not gonna they're not gonna give away a billion dollars at the box office if they can still get it 
Yeah, there's yeah, a, there's a rom com also... with um, Dinesh, what's his name, uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah, uh, that uh, is going straight to Netflix, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's. Mm. I mean, I'm sure it will do. You know, well in that capacity. It certainly wasn't a, a tentpole like Avengers or something of that caliber, right? It wasn't going to pull in like a billion dollars at the box office. So I think it was a prudent financial decision to say whatever. If Netflix gives us money for it, just cut your losses and call it good. Right. Right. Well, speaking of which, Jonathan, you got something here, right? Yeah. So. A couple uh, just sort of picking up off what Jaime was talking about. So uh, they announced a couple more things that are going to be accelerated into the uh, the realm of digital. So uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie that we've talked about a few times on this pod is, uh, is zooming its way into uh, into uh, the digital sphere much faster than it was expected. I think uh, usually I think they say it takes about three months for it to move from theaters to digital, and this one is coming out on March 31st. So it would have been like yeah. I guess same thing. It's like really, really fast turnaround. 46 days after it came out on the theater. Six weeks. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then um, Harley Quinn Birds of Prey, or Birds of Prey here in Canada, um, is also getting that. So that's available on VOD already. So you can uh, you can watch that one uh, quickly. Right. So again, nice that, you know, uh, if you're trapped at home, like all of us are, you can sort of indulge in a few things that were, you know, going to be down the line. Although... That's a that's a fine notion, except it's going to run out at some point, right? Like they can only do that for so long, and right, right. you can choose to view it as, oh, isn't that nice? Or oh, it's pretty cynical. They know you're trapped here, so they want your money. So yeah, yeah. By the same token, so so um, on that same link that you've got there, I don't know if you see it there, but there's a domestic film exhibitor closures table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, over a thousand, eight thousand AMC's, seven thousand Regals, forty six hundred Cinemarks, uh, all sixteen hundred ninety five Cineplex in Canada are closed and then a whole bunch of various small um, places throughout including landmark cinemas here in Canada are all closed up. Yep, it's pretty thorough now, the closure of theaters. Mm -hmm. And speaking of delays and postponements and closures, uh, Wonder Woman 1984, one of the most anticipated uh, sci-fi comic book movies of the year, has also now been delayed. Um, like, not really a surprise, I suppose. Like so many things, we sort of knew that it was coming. It was just a matter of when. And uh, yeah, so unfortunately, we're not going to see this until they've actually given it a date, which I found a little surprising. Uh, we had you know, Black Widow, again, was another huge sort of tent movie that was coming and that one's been delayed indefinitely this one they've moved it was supposed to come out on june 5th and now it's coming out on august the 14th so i guess the people at warner brothers know something we don't about how this is going to be resolved interesting prognostication i mean when you think about it right just if this continues on as a pattern and unless the academy makes a special exemption from their normal rules we might be entering a world where your contenders for best picture are wonder woman 1984 and sonic the hedgehog (laughs) (laughs) no 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 it's everything's gonna be fine by christmas when all the oscar buzz movies come out right right well there's also don't forget there's also the big film festivals throughout the year like tiff tiff is supposedly like last week of august right and uh, i'm sure there's other ones in sundance and venice uh Uh, con is actually coming up in the not distant future so 
or it isn't. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's all hypothetical. Again, according to the very strict rules, mm-hmm. you know, you'd have Sonic the Hedgehog leading the pack right now for best picture, best animated <laughs> film, best score, like just everything. How, how many other films have come out this year? Not, not that many. But you know, it's funny. I was thinking about, I think about this a little bit and I didn't really thought of put it, put it in the thoughts, but I'm going to do it right now. And that is that, um, you know, the writer's strike certainly affected um, the kind of TV and movies we watch now. Like that whole, you know, the OJ Simpson trial, the writer's strike led to all this reality TV crap that we watch now, right? And um, I'll tell you about it right after this, <laughs> you know? Um, but um, yeah, I mean, which I, I actually hate that convention, but um, I wonder if once the dust does settle, you know, if the way we consume these kind of medias will change, will it, will it become that, you know, um, going to the theater will be such a rare experience? Like, not like, like I don't mean like, like thinner theater-like acting, but I'm talking about cinemas, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously rock shows will come back and sports events will come back. But, you know, the whole idea of, of going, getting that big bag of popcorn and that big gulp and sitting back and watching, you know, two giant robots battle each other out in, over Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, will that kind of experience kind of go away, right? Or will will we recover from that, right? Yeah, there's an interesting, uh, I listened to an interesting podcast earlier today. Uh, Bill Simmons on his podcast on, uh, was interviewing Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, they used to work together and uh, Kimmel's been doing home shows where he basically gets right, on yeah. one end of a, a Zoom and has a conversation with somebody else on the other end of the Zoom. And, and he's been doing that, I guess, um, online. And next week they're going to start taking it onto TV, doing it that way. Right, right. And oh, really? it sparked a good conversation between the two of them about, you know, how serious does this pose a threat to television as we know it, this this uh, COVID-19 pandemic? Because there's been a lot of feedback that people are like, oh, this is actually a really interesting format. You, you get a little more time with people. You can do things. You know, it's not as, uh, you know, uh, disrupted. It, you don't need the whole studio setup and everything else. And Kimmel was joking, you know, like, yeah, it's just a matter of time before they're like, you don't have to leave the house to do your job anymore. You know, like you really could see a trend in some of these things and people changing the formats. And, you know, if you, if a studio or a, or a network doesn't have to pay for a huge studio to have a, a broadcast show, why would they? Yeah. So yeah. you're right. This, this could have a lot of sort of long lasting implications across different types of media. Now, I, I was kind of wondering too, when we would hear the sort of first, you know, famous person get, uh, come down with this. And, and I just stumbled across uh, on the link you had there. Our actor Mark Bloom apparently has died of COVID-19 at the age of 69. Hmm. So, and uh, he's a, I don't really know who he was, but he was apparently in Suddenly Seeking Susan, which I think was Madonna's movie, right? Uh, Back in the day. Desperately Seeking Susan? Yeah. Uh, no, that was a TV show, wasn't it? Mm, was it? Um, I thought Madonna was in a weird movie. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know. I, I might be getting it mixed up. Yeah. He was, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, I know this guy. Sure, he was on a ton of shows. Yeah. He was yeah. the he was the bad guy. Oh yeah, you're right. Desperate Confusion was the Madonna movie. He was uh, the 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 foil in Crocodile Dundee. He was the boyfriend that uh, that um, was, oh he was yeah? the, that Crocodile Dundee was trying to steal the the girl away from the boyfriend. He was like the right, smarmy yeah, guy. Yeah. That was that was Mark Blum. Oh, really? huh. oh, that's sad. He was in a lot of movies and TV shows in the 80s and 90s. He, he's one of those faces. He's one of those those that guys. Who you, as soon as you see him, you're like, oh yeah, I totally know that guy. Yeah, like the doctor in 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 Picard, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Just a character actor, you just you just know yeah. from seeing him. 
Um, yeah, that's, that's sad news. Yeah, there's been a few sort of um, smaller scale um, celebrity people who have passed away. There was a, a very famous um, African saxophonist that died this week and right. um, a few other that are sort of tied to COVID as well. But um, yeah, it's again, it's, it's it really is just a matter of time before um, yeah. somebody, you know. Well, we've talked about Idris Elba has contracted it and, and Tom Hanks and his wife, uh, Rita Wilson, have, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see what well, happens here. Prince right? Charles, so, I mean, you know. So yeah, I heard about that today. Who? How did he get it? Uh, I guess they, they're trying to backtrack and figure that out. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's another scary wow. one. And again, he's in his 70s, 71. So. Yeah, but I mean, think about that. The future king of England, mm-hmm. right? That's a big, that's a big name. Yeah, if I, if I had to guess, I would say it was the people who are uh, against him being come the future king of England who wanted to go straight from the queen to William. <laughs> that would be my guess as to who gave him gave oh, it to him. Right, right, right. Not quite as popular <laughs> as his son. Well, speaking of being idiots, so just one one last sidebar. I don't know if you heard about the guy who was going around licking toilets to sort I of heard. poo poo. Apparently, he's come down. Yes, with it, so yeah. There's there's idiot. been a bunch of those stories of people idiots. acting badly. Uh, yeah. Well, you you reap what you sow sometimes. That's true. Uh, All right. So our next piece was uh, this is actually like mixing a little good news stuff this week. So the um, the coronavirus obviously hit very very hard in China, and China had a huge crackdown uh, on uh, public gatherings. Uh, there's news this week that they're opening up some of the movie theaters there again as uh, the pandemic in that region starts to recede a little bit. Uh, obviously not in places like Wuhan and um, in the region that that's from, but in some of the more far-flung areas, uh, they're starting to loosen the uh, restrictions on gatherings and stuff like that. So it's good to see that we're, we're get, getting um, some positive signs. Obviously they're going to be the sort of bellwether for uh, you know how these things can start to recede because it was there that it hit the hard and first. Um, so that was a very positive thing. Um, so yeah, I, again, I guess we'll see now as people start to gather what the sort of next step is and how that goes and how people are treating it. But it's an interesting one. I think obviously, uh, you know, Hollywood is, is going to be watching that one very quickly to sort of see, you know, are people still nervous? Are they going back? Because you're right. I think it has the potential to be very, very long-term impactful for things like that. So, I mean, I, I raised the question whether it's too soon because I, I heard her today that you know it's what march 26th and we're a couple of weeks away from the peak of the virus here in in north america mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. is it is it like receding in in china are we sure well that's i mean so we will politely say it depends on how how much you trust the numbers that come out of a country that has an authoritarian government right gotcha you're talking about the u.s right <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you mean the country that today threatened <laughs> apparently to put soldiers at the Canadian border? Really? To do what? To prevent uh, illegal migration of uh, people from Canada to the United States, which apparently happens what? 400 times an entire year. And apparently only like three of those are people who are actual Canadians. It's more. So they don't want healthy people to go into the they, States. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. That works for me. Yeah. All right. Interesting country. Anyways, back on the good news front. 
<laughs> this one just absolutely thrills me. Uh, we got news last week, uh, late last week, that uh, we're going to get a live-action version of Ahsoka Tano in the second season of Mandalorian, oh, nice. and it's going to be played by none other, none other than Rosario Dawson, who uh, I'm nice. a huge fan of. Uh, she's yeah. a tremendously talented actress, and uh, yeah, this is a really, really exciting announcement. Uh, I think, you know, for those of us who have really gotten into uh, Clone Wars and into Rebels over the past few years, the idea of her finally being realized as a live-action character is, is certainly a thrill, and uh, to have it played by somebody of that caliber is, is even more thrilling. Yeah. So this is really, really cool. Now, isn't isn't Ahsoka, Ashoka a young Jedi? Like, she's a young Jedi in the first bunch of the Clone Wars. Is she, she is. She starts out, yeah, she starts out as a little girl on the first season of Clone Wars, but the Clone Wars are meant to span time, and so by the time we get to the season that is currently airing on Disney+, Plus, she's a young woman. Uh, okay. And then we also see her in Rebels, uh, which is set uh, uh, one, not even a year, like a year-ish before the events of um, Rogue One. It's a more sort of tied into that time frame. We see her as a woman. Uh, again, a young girl woman, but a woman. She's fully grown. And uh, so if you math that out to when we get to the Mandalorian, which is supposed to be set, I think, five years after the events of Return of the Jedi, she would be Rosario's age, which would be, you know, late 30s, early 40s. So, yeah, I think it, you know, in maths out logically. Uh, one of the things that came up in the most recent Star Wars movie was that uh, there's a scene towards the end of the film, spoiler, 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 if you haven't seen it, there's a scene towards the end of the film where uh, Ray is trying to connect with the Force and the spirits of the Jedi before her, and she does, at which point you hear all these voices from the right, past that right. speak to her, and it is, you know, it's Liam Neeson, it's all these different voices um, of, of people who have played all the different Jedis before, and one of those is Ashley Eckstein, who plays the voice of uh, Ahsoka. So by the time we get to Rise of Skywalker, Ahsoka has died. Right. Spoilers. Yeah. But we don't know how, and we don't know when. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to see in Mandalorian. Maybe we get her as a, a regular recurring character. Maybe this is the story of how she meets her end. But either way, it's mm. pretty, pretty, really, really cool. It's not, not not small cool. This is really cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Big fan of her. Yeah, sure. absolutely. All righty. And some want want sad news. Yeah, I'm going to go back and forth here. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of sad news. So, the co-creator of Asterix the Gaul, the uh, very famous uh, cartoon or comic uh, drawn, graphic novels, I guess, uh, over the years, they've been translated into so many languages and it's a very, very, very influential uh, French comic strip, uh, has died. His name was Albert Erdetzo. Uh He was uh, a French man of Italian descent and uh, he was 92 years old. And, uh, yeah, again, I'm hard-pressed to find a lot of people who didn't at some point touch uh, Asterix in their comic experience who are sort of my... Asterix Nobelix. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a very, very popular... It was right there with Tintin that was... Uh, or Tintin, if you're American. Um, that was very, very popular, especially here in Canada where we are a fully bilingual country, French and English obviously being our two national languages. Uh, it was very, very common to see the original French versions of... of um, 
Asterix Nobelix, or when I was a kid, I remember going to my visit my friends and family in Germany, and it began very popular in German as well. So translated into a ton of languages, really, really influential, and a lot of uh, illustrators were were heavily influenced by the work uh, of Albert mm. Erdetzo. So interesting. Yeah, I read a whole bunch of these. It was amazing to find out many years later that they translate all the characters' names uh, of the village to be puns in your native language mm-hmm. which is which is oh, wild really? so i know you know so asterix and obelix you know sort of main characters the druid to me is getifix and the chieftain is vital statistics <laughs> which may or may not make sense if you were reading it in french and i know for sure it's different in german because i had a friend who mm-hmm. knew of asterix from reading the comics in german mm-hmm. but they're asterix and obelix in in american english yeah, it's, well mm-hmm. it was all the, the latin jokes that they put in the original one oh. right? they did them in french oh, okay. they did them in latin like it actually did sort of rely on you having um again back in the day you would have had to take latin class right so you was making all these little like latin puns and stuff like that so right mm-hmm. gotcha yeah. i've even seen gotcha. the live action movie which i want to say has roberto benini as a character like a caesar or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i can't remember if that's actually true but it, it certainly feels like it's true yeah and it's again over the years it's again particularly in europe but uh, but also worldwide uh video games and all kinds of spin and toys and like this was a very big franchise in a lot of parts of the world and uh yeah albert was huge hugely influential interesting mm. yeah i never really connected the dots that i think the disney afternoon tv show the gummy bears i'm pretty certain they're based on the, the premise is based on asterix because mm. they have the gummy berry gummy berry juice that makes them sort of yeah. invulnerable to the villains and that's very similar yeah. to the potion from the druids and yeah. asterix absolutely Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we got some more good news. So we're going to bounce back and forth. Uh, what? More good more news? More good news! A trailer has been posted for the return of Red Dwarf. Mm-hmm. So, uh... Did they ever really go away, well, though? Well, they haven't really gone away. You're right. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's always good news when they're going to do a new season, and especially in a time like now where there's a lot of, as you say, very heavy news. The news that we're going to get a new season of Red Dwarf is very cool. This one mm-hmm. is really good. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch it. It's a very short trailer it's only a little less than a minute it is uh it's called the promised land and it is about something that was started at the beginning of the series it's about uh the what happened to the rest of the cat people related to uh lister's evolved friend cat uh so jaime you may not obviously have had a chance to dip into red dwarf yet but the idea is that uh this guy gets in trouble he's on a on a mining ship in outer space he gets in trouble for bringing his cat on board uh, so they put him into cryostasis as a punishment. But while he's in there, the entire crew gets killed in an accident and the ship just keeps flying for three million well, the years. Entire, yeah, yeah. And so it's three million years away from Earth. And when he wakes up, his entire rest of the crew is dead. But his cat has generally, his cat was pregnant and generationally has evolved over the course of time. And so now there's a person who is a descendant of the cat, the cats is evolved into a, a sentient race of people. And so we meet this one character, but obviously he wouldn't have been the only one. And so now we're going to circle back and find out what happened with the rest of the cat people. But I do recall in the show references to the other cats. He does reference them. Yeah. But we never actually get to or, meet any of them. You sure? I don't think so. I, I don't know. I must admit it's yeah, been a while since yeah. I sat down and rewatched the whole thing. And there's so many permutations. It, it's like, it's getting to be like,
like Doctor Who in terms of how many, but it's always the same four actors. They don't they don't regenerate, Jaime. So uh, yeah, and I saw the <laughs> the original Hollies in this too, which I thought was really funny too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they brought it. They brought, brought them back. back yeah. yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, it's coming on April the 9th to Dave, which is a, a a British network. I don't know. I haven't been able to see if it's playing anywhere here in North America, but I can't imagine it will take very long to get to the on-demand world or anything like so. Yeah, really good. Uh, looking forward to seeing how they bring all that back together. I got a scoop. A scoop, you say? A scoop, yes. I'm scooping up some literature. No, um, apparently, or I guess, did we know this already? Seven of Nine. There's a spinoff coming reportedly. At, at the, I just stumbled across this the other day um, that, you know, Seven of Nine character, everybody loves, you know, her from Voyager and also we're loving what she's doing and the, the kick-ass portrayal in Picard. Um, they're talking about spinning off a series with Jerry Ryan and Seven of Nine. So whether it's going to happen before Picard or after Picard, who knows? But that's what you have to look forward to. Yeah. It, 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 I didn't, I hadn't seen this prior to you posting that. Um, right. There's apparently, um, yeah, apparently there's going to be like a trillion different Star Trek series, which is, I guess, good news. Mm-hmm. Um, I think having now, and we'll, we'll certainly get into this in the main part of our show, sort of how it all plays out for, for Seven of Nine. Um, I do think there's, there's a lot of ground to cover with that character. I guess the question is, you know, um, the impression you're left with on Picard is that she's sort of part of that that world now so it'll be interesting to see how they spin that mm-hmm. out right. okay next up I mean next up and this is for the Americans because we normally have to pay for CBS All Access so if you have been holding out and you have been holding out long enough where you also have not seen Star Trek Discovery's first two seasons well the uh, the fine folks over at CBS All Access via Sir Patrick Stewart are giving you a gift so starting today which was when two days ago through April 23rd you can sign up and watch for free CBS All Access uh, in the U.S. with the code GIFT. You end up so watching. does it not apply to Canada? Because I, know, I was talking to some friends today who don't have Crave and, you know, they have to wait till uh, till tonight to watch it, like Thursday nights as we record. Um, can they not take advantage of this, I wonder? Do you even have CBS All Access over there? Yeah, we do. There is a Canadian version of it. And and because, um, I mean, you can't, I don't think we can, can we, can we watch Discovery right now, Jonathan? I don't know if there's a, a service, like maybe on Space, whatever space has become CBS. No, CTV Yeah, one of those. Sci-fi. Um, I don't know if you can stream it on there, but... Well, um, Discovery's still on Crave, right? But I, as far as like... An, uh, yeah, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. But people don't have Crave, right? Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'd have to look at Rogers On Demand and see if it's on there. So I, off the top of my oh, head, but I it couldn't, is on Crave, though, couldn't right? tell you. Okay. But yeah, I think because CTV owns the Sci-Fi Network and they also own Crave, Bell does, that is the master company um it makes sense that they would keep it exclusive there yeah so i get a sort of limited crave on my um because of my bell internet right so and, and so i that's how i've been watching star trek picard because I, I get it as part of my internet package right because my tv's not with bell Eight. Is your your TV's with Rogers or Bell, John? Uh, I'm with Rogers, still. but and so you're paying for HBO separately, or uh, yeah, or through Rogers. So originally it was free; it was part of my package, and now it's just tacked on as a twenty dollar a month fee on my bill, which is what everybody else pays. And that gives you access to Crave, right? Access to Crave with HBO Plus, which is very strange because that makes my head hurt. Because you know you just said that Crave's owned by Bell. <laughs> well, maybe call your service provider and find out. I guess as long as as long as money 
monies. No, I, I do get it. I, I get a sort of, I get a version of it for, for free as part of my Bell 5 thing. Right? Yeah, so, so you get the $10 version, right? Not the $20 version. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so that's yeah. that's the deal, I guess, is that you, right. if you have the package, you get the... If only there was a way I could watch shows. If only otherwise. there was a way. If only there was yeah. a way. All right. Uh, by the way, this moment right now, as we sit here on March 26th, exactly, not one day before, not one day after, is the 15th anniversary of the premiere of The Ninth Doctor. Wow. Christopher Ooh. Eccleston became Doctor Who as they resurrected the series from BBC uh, today. So today's the day. And um, yeah, um, that's cool. I mean, like, I watched Doctor Who when I was a kid, and, and it was, you know, it was an acquired taste, the older Doctor Who. And it, and it kind of went away off of, I don't know if it went away or I just stopped watching it because it kind of got weird after the All Creatures Great and Small, uh, Peter Davidson became the Doctor. Um, I didn't watch the last, I think it was two or maybe three more Doctors after that. Um, I mean, life might have gotten in the way too, right? But um, yeah, and then, then it came, this version came back with uh, with Billy Piper and uh, and uh, Christopher Eccleston and it kind of started it off again. And I think you you didn't watch the fir- this series at first, right, Jonathan? No, you had sort of stumbled into it first and and said you enjoyed it so i i followed suit it wasn't really um it wasn't really in my radar because my only recollections of doctor who were as you say not exactly a, a high caliber of uh of doctor who i had a few friends who were british who were big fans and they were like oh you gotta watch this and i well, of course like most of us watched it on pbs and was like this is not good sci-fi yeah 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 it was, it, imagine if you will Jaime, uh, harry potter with really bad video effects and green screens that's kind of what doctor who was back in the day like, like, the, like the how Darwin. far are we talking because when i've seen the stuff that you guys are showing me i'm like it's like what if star trek but with original series but with somehow even less budget like they aspired to be <laughs> yeah that TOS. was that was kind of the thing yeah yeah hollywood at least had it, hollywood had some uh something it's funny i was watching an episode of the the the, the original series the other day i forget which one it was but um the dialogue the technical dialogue was so can you know, campy like i used to i used to be when i was a kid i was really you know impressed and i think everybody was impressed with the sort of science that was in there but in retrospect it was pretty corny kind of dialogue that they were throwing in there right so kind of you know how you you and i feel about hackers and when they portray hackers and developers and on tv and in movies you know Mm -hmm. um you kind of look at them and you just cringe like i don't know about you but every time i watch jurassic park and that little girl goes oh this is unix i know unix and she's clearly looking at a three-dimensional gui right right? that's not unix you know yeah unix don't have no gui initially (laughs) right anyway Prior to jumping into series 11 with uh, Jodie Whittaker, if you'd asked me on the street, you know, five, ten years ago, um, so, and I'm probably horribly wrong in these dates, don't hold me to them. If you'd said, hey, what does Doctor Who look like? I'd say, oh, it's it's David Tennant's or possibly right. Matt Smith is around the time that right. I started becoming right. aware of Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. And well, so Christopher Eccleston only played him for a year, maybe two? One, Not very long, one, one right? season. One season, yeah. yeah. And he kind of was like done with it by the time it was done. I think they were done with him too but uh his portrayal is is very i'm not a huge fan of his portrayal i mean i watched the shows i liked billy piper but i wasn't a huge show of his his portrayal i mean david Tennant was a lot easier to take you know yeah by far and i think he did it for four years and then matt smith for four years right was playing it a little little close to the vest he was a little too um a little too serious and and i think also you know in his defense i think they were still finding their footing with what they wanted the show to be too so it was not quite perfect in that 
way. Well, I think it was a different showrunner too, because I think David Moffat joined when um, David Tennant joined, right? Mm, mm. I don't think I don't think Moffat was involved. I mean, Whovians can yell at me and throw Tardises at me, but you know that's what I remember. <laughs> yeah. Of course, we'll follow up for next week and fact check it. Uh, speaking of real time follow up, I just checked and um, there is no discovery on Rogers on Demand, so I don't know if there's anything similar on uh, mm. Bell, but it's certainly not available here. Yeah. So yeah. So that's that's what I was sort of saying. Like if you know if CBS All Access is going to give Canadians a free month. I mean, it sounds like something they're doing just for the whole, you know, um, COVID-19 thing as well, right? Since they've got a captive audience, as it were. Um, if they, I wonder if, if they give it away, but you have to give them a visa card number in case you forget to cancel it after the end of the it's month. Usually, it's usually, yeah. Like the, yeah it's, it's kind of like Apple TV Plus will yeah. um, you start charging you after the free year is up. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. You can cancel anytime you like. You just got to remember to cancel. Mm. Alrighty. Speaking of free stuff. Yeah, right. this was breaking news to me as I was going to go eat my dinner. I get this email from YouTube TV and it's like, hey, guess what? You're getting Epix, E-P-I-X, for free for the next 30 days on your YouTube TV subscription. So what is Epix? Epix, I was wondering that myself and I said, hmm, I think they do movies like Stars or Showtime, HBO, but apparently they also have some original content as well. Like a series called uh, Pennyworth, which apparently is a mm-hmm. younger Alfred Pennyworth, the mm-hmm. butler of Bruce Wayne, Batman. Yeah, that was on TV here. For... Yeah, they rebroadcast that here on, uh, on one of our um, cable channels. Yeah, it's a British show, right? Is it British? Uh, I think it's British set actor. in Britain because Pennyworth is... Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. Yeah, yeah I, I watched pretty much all of it. It was it's interesting, Pennyworth. Definitely worth watching, but um, I didn't. I stopped watching... Uh, what was the other? Gotham? Is that the yeah. one that they did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I stopped watching that one about two seasons in or so. But this was this was worthwhile watching and, and kind of... Uh, it's, it's the origin story of of Alfred, right? But um, yeah, a bit bit strange, you know. When you can, I mean, a bit strange when you plug in this character into who Alfred is from Batman, as we know him, right? And I'm talking about the original 1966 Batman. Anyway, all right, it's that time, folks, where we have arrived. It is time for us to break down Star Trek Picard. In fact, we're going to break down the entire series. So just you know, sit tight, put your head, put strap in. <laughs> um, this, uh, but this one is covering uh, Star Trek Picard season one episode ten, the big finale at in Arcadia Ergo Part 2. Take it away, Tommy Lopez Jr. Yeah, so we start right off with uh, Narek finding the Borg cube. So okay, wait, you have to read the, the, the captions as you go through this, because they're funnier <laughs> than you describe. <laughs> so this one's pretty straightforward. This one is just Narek finds the Borg cube, um, and you know we, we also see uh, Elnor and Seven of Nine discussing the XB life, and like, is it even worth it? Everybody's right. Hard knock life, yeah. You know, should you should you just take a phaser to your head and, and end it? And Elmer's like, no, I, I'd miss you, right? In his extreme candor sort of way. Uh, Nerissa, who's been hiding out after uh, beaming out to places unknown in the previous episode when she got... Was it previous episode? It was one of the episodes when she got overwhelmed Couple episodes, by... Yeah, yeah. Two episodes ago, possibly, when she got overwhelmed by the XBs. Um, apparently she found... I thought a, she was beaming out to, like, uh, one of the ships, right? I, I thought so, too, but apparently she just found another place to hide within the cube. You know, Scooby-Doo style, she she pulled a, a candle somewhere and went by. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that too. I thought that when she beamed, I thought she beamed on one of the ships, not elsewhere on the on the cube. I mean, I was so happy when she got attacked by the Borg and they had overcome her, right? And she was down on the ground, right? 
And I guess she had like an escape bracelet on or something. Mm. Or what are those holograms? What's the thing that the doctor used to wear in Voyager with the... The mobile emitter? Mobile emitter, yeah. Sort of were like, you know, those tracking things that they put on them, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, we saw in Star Trek Nemesis the portable uh, transporter oh, thing right. yeah. that uh, they got, you know, the data sacrifices himself by giving it to Picard to get him off the scimitar. So I, I just sort of mentally said, oh, maybe it's super common. You know, you, you buy them at Walmart <laughs> in, in a pack of 10 <laughs> and you hand them out to your friends and family. <laughs> uh, let's see, where was he? So Nerissa finds Narek and um, we also end up seeing that uh, Soji has come to to talk with uh, Picard and Dr. Girardi and Picard's really pleading for Soji, like, you got to stop the construction of this beacon, right? You can't, you can't turn into what the Romulans feared you were going to become. You you have a choice. You don't need to do this. Uh, And she's like, you know, she's fully bought into this idea of of synth life. It's like, hey, you're just going to try to wipe us out anyway. So maybe we should stop that first. And uh, we switch around to um, Narek and Nerissa talking more. And Narek's like, look, like I accomplished this task, right? Like here I am, the Jatvash washout. And uh, I've done a pretty good thing. I've, you know, killed one. You know, he's, he claims he, you know, he's 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 killed a synth. I've. She says, "Have you slept with any of the synths yet?" Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's like, "No, I've killed one, uh, and uh, you know, I found the whole nest here. So you know, my my methods work, much as you didn't like them." Next thing I'd written here is that uh, Rios and Rafi are trying to repair the ship. So the intermix chamber on the La Sirena is damaged, which means that the engine power is not going to work. Which means everything else that requires that engine power, such as the um, what do you call it? Like the mechanical replicator, the industrial technical, you know, like a, like a toolkit that'll, that'll make stuff for his, his ship to, to work. So I, I do have a question though. Okay. Cause I mean, he, he, they do solve the problem obviously, but what year is this? Uh, just shy of 2,400, 2,399. So we're 2,400, we're, you know, that many, we're like 400 years in the future from now, right? Or 300 years or whatever. Mm, yeah. Give or take 400 years. Yeah. Why would they build a ship with a single point of failure? Everybody's going to cut corners, dude. <laughs> like, let, me t- let me tell you. Let me tell you the story of my 1993 Saturn SC2, which at some point uh, the air conditioner stopped working. Right? I was like, no big deal. Yeah. It's not that hard. No big deal. Roll down the window. So big deal. Yeah. Right. And then this grinding noise started to happen. I was like, hmm, that's not good. What's going on there? So I took it to a mechanic. They're like, yep, you need a new compressor. Your compressor's gone. I was like, all right. Well, I guess I'll get that done some other day. I don't really have the time. And they're like, no, no, no. Uh, this is on the serpentine belt. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Well, the serpentine belt right, yeah. powers basically everything. everything in that model of car. Yeah, yeah. Right, and yeah. the compressor, if it's not turning, which is what the grinding thing was doing, if that doesn't turn, then it will eventually put so much wear and tear on the belt that I will just lose power randomly. <laughs> I just will not be able to drive because the air conditioner is busted. Right, right. So well, yeah, But you're talking about uh, uh, an automobile. You know, like the worst case scenarios, you get out and you walk or you stick your thumb out in your thumb or you get on a bus, right? Like we're talking about a starship that goes between one planet and the next, you know, like everything should be redundant, backed up. Anyway, so, right. I bet Tesla charges I'm you more for the dual, the, the, uh, the dual intermixed chamber model. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they should have had a ba- should have had a backup for sure. Right. So anyway, carry on. Um, so they need to repair the ship. 
all they have is the magic ocarina of time to help them. Yeah. And <laughs> I called it, the green, I called it the green lantern ring. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> like a weird it's a, it's, brass knuckles. No, it's the green lantern brass knuckles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, you need to think happy thoughts, right? If you imagine what the repair would be like, then this thing will do it. And it does it in a weird, like little tendrils come out and start doing the repairs, which is kind of an interesting. I didn't expect it to do, do that. Uh, where are we? Um, we switch scenes over to uh, Dr. Soong and Dr. Gerardi discussing the consciousness transferal and um, Maddox having done a lot of work towards that. And I guess it's all that happens. And wow, they switch back and forth. These well, notes so, are so, so hard to keep up with. Because so I was going to continue on to the next part, but that doesn't happen until later. Yeah, so Soong basically says to Agnes, you know, oh, it's you know it's such a, a noble self-sacrifice that you're willing to make, you know, knowing that the the since they're calling in these uh, these, you know, other synthetic beings and they're going to wipe out all of uh, organic life and you're going to transfer my mind into this golem and it's so noble what you're mm-hmm. doing and, you know, I guess that's the kind of sacrifice that a mother would make, which is really insulting and condescending and sexist and uh, and Agnes, you know, sort of mutters under her breath, you know, I'm not their mother, a-hole and right, it sort yeah. of sets the scene for the fact that in, in spite of the fact that it, you know, obviously it was a little red herring at the end of the last episode when she sort of turns coat on Picard, but she was really just doing it to um, to get inside, right? Interesting. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, we switch again to Narek has made his way over to the uh, La Sirena and he's throwing rocks at the windows and he, you know, they have a cute little scene there where they're like, what the hell are you doing? Like, <laughs> we wanted to see what, you know, what a photon torpedo would do at this range. Just blow, <laughs> blow you the hell yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing to my ship? Uh, but he's like, hey, look, we, we should team up here because these synths, you know, they're they're building that beacon and bad things are going to happen, you know, whether you agree with me or not. How did Rios and Rafi know that he was the Vulcan guy that they were chasing? The Romulan dude? I think they ex- extrapolated that he was the only Romulan on the planet other than sorry, Elnor, Romulan, right? Sorry, Romulan, yeah, sorry. Uh, Apologies to Vulcans. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think they ex- extrapolated that since he was standing there and he was the only uh, Romulan that they knew of outside of uh, Elnor. Because they had already left, they had already left the conclave when when or they you know the gathering of synths or whatever so they weren't aware of all the, the stuff that had gone down unless unless maybe jl called her and told her what gave her an update or whatever right? yeah i think we're supposed to assume too that soji identified that if they're being followed it was probably him right oh okay. and in the snakehead okay. vessel and they knew they had interacted with the snakehead vessel so i think at some point soji must have said to them hey that's probably narak okay right i mean they must have cut that scene okay i get it yeah i get it it's it's, it's probably an extraneous scene you didn't need at some point for somebody to for you know, a close-up of Soji during the fight when he's attacking them, saying, "Oh my God, it must be Narek!" Like, oh, and by the way, yeah, yeah who, who I slept with accidentally. And let me give you more backstory. Yeah, I did like the line about uh, in this scene too about you know I've got a bag full of grenades and I'm throwing rocks. Yeah, yeah, it could be throwing the grenades exactly. <laughs> um, so they they decide to try communicating with Picard, but he's he's not. Believe it or not, he's not at home. Because uh, as we know, um, once the the group separated, he actually ended up getting arrested by the synths, mm-hmm. and I. Really missed a gap here while so much was happening. I I guess Elnor must have uh, met up with them, or they met up with Elnor and company. So Elnor is like was very unhappy to see Eric. Yeah, there's a scene. Uh, it happens very quickly at the very beginning when you see uh, Narek is leaving the cube through the the same portal. We've seen people come and go uh, in. He walks out the door, and then you see Elnor very quickly slip out the door after him. It's only on for right, yeah. four or five seconds on the screen, uh, right at the beginning of the episode. When uh, yeah, when Narek 
Narek loads up his bag full of grenades and leaves, we see Narek, uh, we see um, Elnor follow him out the, out the door. So I think the idea is that he's been tracking him. Okay, yeah, okay. That, yeah, my memory was really poor. I'm like, wait, did he end up at the cube and in, in, in forgetting? Or maybe I just didn't see because uh, I was eating lunch at the same time. <laughs> Face down in my salad and, and sandwich. Um, maybe I didn't see Elnor slip out. Uh, so the next thing is uh, Dr. Girardi is talking to Dr. Soong about, uh, you know, stuff that's happened, you know, while he is in the... You know, we'd asked this last time, like, how come they didn't look at the, the sense memory? And it turns out it's not as easy as just making, like, you know, a time machine backup or a carbon copy cloner kind of thing like it actually right. has some effort to it to extract it um, and she's telling him you know like hey uh, Maddox has all this uh, encrypted stuff that will probably be helpful and I know your encryption foo is really good so can you go check that out and um, yeah and we get that really weird spot where she sort of walks over and uh, you, you see um, Saga lying on the table the dead the dead synth and then you just cut to Agnes's face and hear this horrible squelching noise right yeah i kind of what she's doing yeah yeah oh I, that's right yeah i i had, a, I had an idea what she was doing but i was uh it was still like, whoever did the uh the foley noises for that was having a good time because i was really gross yeah she went the um minority report route of <laughs> yeah of that that'll be important in a few minutes here but uh we switch over to the 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 other part of the crew let's say that they uh, made a little campfire and uh elnor is like clearly not cool with narrative in his plan. He doesn't trust him. Narek takes this opportunity to tell the others about uh, the Gamadan story. And I'm sure there's a lot of detail and the name is really hard to spell and I didn't I didn't pause it to, to get it from the captions. But it really boils down to the Romulans having this uh, mythology around these twin demons that open the gateway to bad stuff. Like, you know, choose many other similarities. You know, they're, they're causing Ragnarok from Norse mythology. They're uh, opening Pandora's box. You can see patterns, or at least that's what I saw there. Yeah, the biblical end of days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it ends up feeling very similar to that. And that's where they talk about, you know, the twins and the destroyers, right? The Sheb Cheneb and I forgot what the other one was called. Yeah, it was another set. Another name, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the crack in the sky thing is something that's uh, very clearly mentioned, which I think later on we'll see is, you know, part of the whole beacon thing. But to my mind, I immediately thought of the intro sequence to Star Trek Picard, where you see the sky and a little crack opens up and a piece sort of flies around and it ends up ultimately becoming, um, you know, filling a hole in Picard's face. Mm -hmm. So I want to go take a look at the intro sequence again, knowing everything that we know after the end of this, this season. Right, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, we, we, you know, we end up smash kidding over to uh, Commodore O or General What's-Her-Name. I don't know if we know her official name. So there, uh, I, I did catch the, I, I have my uh, closed captioning on and I did catch that they referred to her in the closed captioning as Nadar, N-E-D-A-R. Uh, and then later on, they referred to her as General, but they don't mention her name. So I don't know if that was something that was just written into the captioning script or how they captured that, because it's never mentioned by name. But in that first reference, when we see her on the bridge, it refers, it says Nadar, N-E-D-A-R colon, and then what she says. So Ah, uh, okay, got it, got it. But strange um, that they wouldn't name her at any point if they did that. And, and even later on, there is a point where somebody references, you know, Commodore O or whatever the hell your name is. 
Yeah, Riker says it. Yeah, spoilers. Sorry, spoilers. Han Solo says it. Spoilers, <laughs> spoilers for your fifteen minutes for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I wrote here that the 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 crew of La Sirena is like, all right, uh, how are we going to use this bag of bombs that uh, Narek has brought? How are we going to destroy that beacon? Because the since they have everything locked down, we're not going to be able to take in weapons. We're not going to be able to beam in because they've got uh, shields and transporter scramblers and stuff. Um, they ultimately decide to do the uh, the Chewbacca method from Star Wars A New Hope where they're like, hey, what if we take the guy that they want? Actually, now that I think about it, it was used in Star Wars A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. The Chewbacca method is reused multiple times, folks. The basic idea of you have a prisoner that you end up taking somewhere as a way to get what you want. In this case, the the Chewbacca method. Yeah, yeah, the Sins want Narek, very similar to the way that uh, you know, on the Death Star in A New Hope, they were going to use Chewbacca. Like, oh, I'm transporting this prisoner. You know, please let us through. And in Return of the Jedi, hey, Jabba, you know, we've captured Chewbacca. Please give us money. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, they did the, the same thing with Seven as well, right? Earlier. Yeah, that's right. In the series. This season, yeah. they did it with, uh, with Seven. When they go to go see the, uh, the the bar owner who's keeping Maddox, right? They use Seven as their right, as their yeah. gateway that, yeah. using the Chewbacca method. Yeah, or Miss Off Nine, I like to call her. With Bejazel. I can't even say her Bejazel. I can't even say her real name. The internet Bejazel. has corrupted me. <laughs> Well, maybe we'll leave that for the after show. <laughs> if anybody knows how I made that mistake, it, oh, I do. <laughs> it will not be safe for your your, your children's. Um, so they have this like Ocean's Eleven style plot where they're like, all right, here are these these different ways that we're going to sneak things in, and it really boils down to um, Rios leaning super heavily into his cultural heritage and like hiding the bomb inside of a soccer ball. As yeah, the, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As the way for the sense to not be suspicious of what's going on. Do uh, you play? Do you, yeah, do you play? <laughs> yeah, the sense is kind of cute that they actually know what that is. They, they, they're aware of the game. Yeah. Uh, so we cut over to Dr. Girardi who is has used um, whatever that dead sense name was. I apologize. The one whose Saga. eye was stabbed out. Saga. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Using her, her eyeball as a way to uh, get past the retinal scanner and go in and free Picard. And it's kind of weird because they, they go in. She goes in. She's like, hey, is he dead? <laughs> He's like, I'm still alive. Just taking a nap. Just an old man taking a nap. It's really not cool for you to zoom in. <laughs> And uh, you know, Soon, who has uh, finished copying over the information he needed, and uh, uh, I don't remember what he said, uh, de- decoding it, let's say, for a generic mm. term, uh, he sees mm-hmm. the truth of how Sutra was the one who actually ended up helping free Narek and killing, uh, killed right. uh, Saga. Right. So now he's, he's he's switching teams. Like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, this is this is not good. I can't believe this is what's happening here. So whereas he was kind of uh, in my mind, like sort of anti organics, because like, hey, look at these terrible people he's like oh maybe i was a little hasty in switching so um i wrote down here that everyone was kung fu fighting because somewhere around this time (laughs) you end up having um i might have mixed it up seven here seven yeah Yeah, everybody sort of pairs off right indeed so they've they've got the they've got the fight going on if like the crowd that's distracting things to try to get um closer to the beacon so they can get that bomb deployed um Mm -hmm. picard and gerardi have gotten over to la sirena and picard's like all right uh let me see if I was paying attention enough to what Rios was doing to see if I can use this holographic tech to, to fly the ship. And he drives okay-ish. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, not quite so smooth. It's kind of janky, but, uh, you know, it gets the job 
done. Somewhere in here, uh, Soong had, uh, like, tased. Does he tase already? Uh, no, that, that comes up a little bit. Okay, yeah, they switch around so much that it's hard for him. Like, I start remembering these in longer sequences than they actually are. Yeah, there's a good um, there's a good conversation that happens there between Gerardi and, and Picard, too, where he, he sort of says, you know, uh, he sees the sense that children who were raised badly and <laughs> mentions that they were raised by a pair of hermits in Maddox and um, and Soong. So he wants to teach them the right way of doing it. He wants to show them, learn, make them learn by example, right? So he's, he's got this plan. He's going to you know, make them learn by example. And, and um, yeah, says so they finish that scene with the, the line I think you have in here, which is, uh, uh, we get a classic line from uh, from Next Generation, said by Girardi, make it so. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and then we cut back to the, that's when it all starts blowing up uh, back at the, um, at the, the city, where Sung stuns Arcana and says, because he realizes, like, he confronts her and says, like, I can't believe you did this. And then he zaps her and she passes out. Uh, and then Elnor and Narek attack the synths. And Rios is standing off to the side, holding his soccer ball, waiting for his chance to shoot at the goal, right? Right, right. That's that's yeah. that's true. Okay. Now it's making sense. So so things are looking bad because Soji was able to, to stop the bomb and, and just fling it into the air rather than letting it get to the panel and destroy things for the beacon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on the cube where Nerissa and Seven end up having a, a fight there after confronting each other. Um, similarly, we have uh, the Romulan fleet arrives and pew, pew, pews the orchids. So that's sort of going on in, so, in orbit. Here's another part I'm confused about. So Picard and uh, Gerardi are in La Serena and they're up in space facing up against these hordes of, of um, Romulan ships, right? Mm-hmm. They send up the orchids. The orchids bypass Picard and Gerardi mm-hmm. and go after just I just want to point out that seemed kind of weird. Like why if if Gerardi and Picard are escaped captives of the people of the Synths and they're on this ship which is you know a fed, not even a Federation ship. How are they? Why or how did they manage to like escape the uh, voracious orchids? Can I just throw in there that you're trying to establish logic in a like yeah, well, a know, giant know, flying same, flying flower? Same flowers. reason as the earlier question. I just just I sat here and I went, why are they not? Okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it depends how it works, right? Like it's unclear these orchids. Like, are they directly controlled? Is there like some master control system that specifically tells them what to do? Are they more sort of like kind of dumb reactive things? So in that case, well, so if the Lysidana is flying. Bull, hmm? Yeah. If you send your pit bull onto the front lawn, <laughs> isn't it going to attack anything that's on the front lawn? <laughs> we don't know that they aren't intelligent flowers. Yeah. And, and I, I think of them as being kind of like Venus flytraps where uh, even if there's nothing there, if you just sort of poke at the like little whisk that they have, they'll close up, right? Eventually, it right, thinks right. that like a little tasty treat is there. In this so case... I see Picard use any evasive orchid maneuver. Well, it, it kind of depends on how their defense system works. Like, is it only for things attacking and not trying to prevent things from leaving? Oh, maybe, maybe. Right? So, let's say is flying in the opposite direction. It's, it's actually becoming less of a threat to them. It's because they were wearing white hats instead of black hats, right? Well, to be fair, the reason, <laughs> the reason it, it went after them the first time was because the um, they were having Having a gauge in the fight with the snakehead, so there was they were right. they were shooting at each other. So maybe they perceived that as a threat, and they went after both of them. This time they weren't shooting, so maybe they weren't the threat. Although the Romulans weren't shooting until they showed up, so right. again maybe they're set to attack things that are shooting at them. I don't know. It's, it's, it's yeah, or directional, at, right? Because uh, again, even if the Lassiter was 
in the front <laughs> lawn. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, sometimes pit bulls do silly things. They'll be like super scared of something that they have no business being scared of and be really angry at something okay. they have no business being angry right. at. So that, that's oh, yeah. how I feel in the gap in my in my uh, head here. I like Tim's pit bull uh, on the front lawn theory. That's a good one. <laughs> so while the big pew 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 was happening with the orchids and the Romulans, uh, we see more of the, the fight with uh, Seven and Nerissa in, in a full this is Sparta moment. Uh, Nerissa gets kicked off the uh, the edge of the catwalk into the abyss. Um, can, can you do your best uh, impression of this is Sparta, but the, the line from the show, this is for Hugh? This is for Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's got too many words. <laughs> it has one extra word. You got you know? to squish together for Hugh into one word. This is into Sparta. Into, this is for Hugh. <laughs> um, but I guess, you know, who knows? We didn't actually explicitly see her die. And when you don't see a, a body and sometimes even when you do, you, who knows? Maybe she'll make a, an appearance in a future season. But for now, we yeah, assume like, like she's the emperor, dead. right? And, and never mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all log into Fortnite and see if like, Norris is alive. Like Darth Maul and oh, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Um, you know, more pew, pew, pew was going on. Uh, cool stuff there. And Gerardi brings up like, Hey, so, um, you know, what can we do here? Cause the, the orchids are, they're, they're going down. And after that, the Romulans are going to just obliterate the planet surface and just kill everything. Sterilize. <laughs> they say sterilize. Sterilize. Yes. That's the word they say. Great. Um, and, uh, she says, Hey, can we do the Picard maneuver? He's like, well, okay. One that wasn't the enterprise. That was the stargazer. It was a very well, she long says, time I should, I should Initially, she says, you should do some fancy warlike maneuver. And they could call it the Picard maneuver. And then she says, wait a minute, there already is a Picard maneuver. That's already a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And he's so like, it's kind like, of important. It was kind of different. It was a single uh, instance of this. Uh, there's hundreds of ships here. This isn't going to work. Um, Unless, of course, they happen to have a Green Lantern ring with them. Or the, the yeah. uh, <laughs> knuckles. Is this where the face things happened? Yeah. Is, is it prior yes, to the yeah. offering his life? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I should have put the, the face emoji. Uh, emoji. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> sort of thing that uh, Dr. Girardi shows and, uh, and Picard does, you know, call down to the planet. And, now, and, if they had used Memoji instead of her face, that would, I would totally believe that effect, right? That yeah. would have been much more funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Picard offers his life for the synthetics. He's like, look, I'm going to, going to prove to you we're not all bad and that you can, in fact, make a choice. Uh, look, just be real, real clear here. You know, not, not all organic life is trying to kill you. Um, you know, I'm not trying to kill you as an example. And this is where I wrote down that uh, I called them the mermaids arrive. So they, they use that tech to do the, so the ghost ships copies of the La Sirena to confuse the Romulans and, and make them think that there's uh, an entire fleet that has just warped in. Uh, very similar to the trick that Narek ended up using, right, to feign his uh, his weakness. It's the Picard maneuver. Yep. Yeah, the, the new Picard maneuver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the, uh, the, the beacon is complete. You know, stuff's going to get uh, the bad guy. Uh, I guess not necessarily the bad guys, but the the super synths um, who left the the admonition message. They're you know they're they're going to be able to get called here. So just can I just back up for just one second because there was one line in here that just really stood out to me that I think we have to address. So they they do the the hundreds of La Serena, and then the Romulans attack them, thinking that they're real because they have warp signatures and they're real, and they hit the real one and sort of knocks them off course, and then the illusion disappears. Right. And at that point, they cut back to Commodore O and she says, you know, uh, okay, it's 
uh, you know, time to destroy the planet. And she had originally used the term sterilization, but this time, I swear, I swear it was just three different, three or four different cuts of the same thing where they had the, the actress playing Commodore O read different ways to say the same thing. Because she says the same thing over and over again, like, target them, target them, target them. And she says, target the planet sterilization pattern number five. Yes, which means they have, what, four other that patterns? That was my exact thought, was like, how many different <laughs> ways do you need to sterilize a planet? That you are exactly. that you are up to number five. Yeah. They so, really and it's funny, it though, like, why, but why would she use the term sterilize? Because sterilize means, like, stop reproduction, right? Yeah. Not eliminate or destroy well, or it whatever. Means make, like, it means make clean, right? Sterilize means make right. clean. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. So I think okay. the idea is yeah. wiping it clean, making the planet clean of this yeah, infection. Of, of, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I just, I, as soon as she said number five, I was like, there's four different ways to do this before they yes, got to this exactly. one? Yeah, you and I have seen too many movies together, for sure. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the actress's name is Tamlin Tamita, and she was from uh, Karate, Karate Kid, Kid 2, too. That's right. Yeah, yeah we talked right. about her. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So it does make me wonder if they mentioned a number or if this happens to be the same pattern. If you remember when the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order in Deep Space Nine mm. tried to go do the same thing, sterilize the what they thought to be the founder's homeworld. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And they blasted the heck out of it. And then they're like, wait, there's still all this stuff that's alive. How is it possible? Don't oh, they all no, live in buckets, though? Hmm? Don't they all live in buckets, the founders? Well, they, well, were, they weren't <laughs> on the planet anymore. Yeah, they, they, they weren't oh, on the planet. Okay. If they so were I just remember, oh, no, we used to live in a bucket, right? Yeah. Yeah, but they also had the, the great link. It was like a big lake. Right, yes, them. the big, big ocean of them, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they were using, uh, like, sensor ghosts of some sort. So even after the Romulan and uh, Cardassian fleet had uh, obliterated the planet crust, I want to say, mm-hmm. they would still appear as if there were a whole bunch of changing life forms there. And it turned out it was just all an elaborate trap from the Dominion. Yep. The, the Jem'Hadar ended up blowing the heck out of that fleet. Yep. So my, my larger point was, was that also Pattern 5? Or was that <laughs> one of the previous four? Well, maybe this is set in the future. Maybe this was, that's, was, that's why they that one didn't work. So they had to move on to pattern number two, three, four, and now five to make sure they got their sterilization techniques right. Yeah, right, indeed, right. indeed. They're trying to flatten the curve, right? <laughs> um, but before the Romulan fleet can can do anything, finally, just in time, Starfleet arrives. And Da-da. who's leading there but uh, acting fleet captain uh, Riker shows up in the Zhenghua. And uh, it's really freaking cool that he arrives. He's like, look, I have a whole bunch of these ships. This is the best. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he says. Basically, this is the fastest, toughest, most powerful ship yeah. in the fleet. Which and I've got Commodore a whole wouldn't know because she was like Starfleet's top security person. She wouldn't know the stats of this. Anyway, just, I, guess I would still gross. remind anyways, like, <laughs> hey, you remember when you signed off on us having these badass weapons? Like, I'm turning them against you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As you know, yes. <laughs> sure glad you, you told us we should put double the photon torpedo launchers on the front <laughs> specifically for this reason. <laughs> Um, right, right. You know, and there's a. I can't remember if this happens before or after. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna put it in here. And we learned that the Treaty of Alderaan is still going on, right? Mm-hmm. It's still actually active, right. even though we've we've wondered with the fractured Romulan Star Empire and the Romulan Free State and sort of you know loose cannons like the Tal Shiar and Jatvash with you know what's going on. But apparently, so when, when was that treaty from? Like what what lore of Star Trek was that from? Start yeah. TNG I think is when they first mention it in reference okay. to the Tomed incident, which has never been on the screen yeah um, so it was uh it was the agreement that ended the earth or the the federation romulan war right, um, right okay. and it, it predates 
uh, TNG. What was that? What was that series with uh, Leonard Nimoy and Picard? Resur- was it called Resolution or? Oh yeah, the res- the Resurrection and yeah yeah. No, Res uh, something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Carry on. I'll look it up. Series or do you mean the the two part episode reunification? Reunification. That's it. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. When Spock shows up. Yeah yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So we we learned that there is actually like you know Starfleet uh, the the Federation and and the Romulans do actually have that treaty in place, which implies that Starfleet can't use cloaked ships. Cause it's sort of been a long mm-hmm. time question in this series. And um, the Romulans were like, look, we lay claim to this planet that we found, right? We found it. We have decided we are going to blow it up. And Riker's like, no, no, no. Uh, this is actually... We got a voicemail, yeah. Yeah, we've got this voicemail here, from, this video voicemail from Picard, you know, saying like that this is a first contact situation. So yeah, these we found it first. Under, yeah, 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 right? yeah. yeah, they're under their protection. Oh, so they play the back that piece that Picard recorded yeah. earlier in the previous episode. Okay, yeah, because I kind of wonder yeah. how come his face is on the screen if he's like flipping through backwards. Yeah, anyway. it, it was the the message he sent out, but he never got the response. Right, he didn't know that it was actually picked up. In, right, uh, right, in yeah, film. yeah. Yeah. Um, so we see a whole bunch I of had stuff to here. Up the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Picard ends up having this, you know, terrible. You know, what I wrote here is a migraine, and and it's sort of clear that the Eremotic syndrome or or similar syndrome that he has is you know taking its toll, and it's getting towards the end. And um, she breaks out the retro uh, tricorder again, right? Mm-hmm. Which yeah, yeah. Was right and, under and the he's seat. like, you know, give me, give me this this drug, give me the chloroquine. You know, <laughs> she's like, uh, that's bad. He's like. It's it's only going to delay the inevitable. It's not going to be any worse. Like I'm I'm dying right right uh, to sort of stabilize him. And uh, Picard asked Soji directly. You know you you need to make a choice. Look, Starfleet is here. Starfleet is not trying to kill you. They're trying to protect you from the Romulans who are trying to kill you. So. Therefore, you know, not all organics are trying to end your life and your your species. Um, and from the, uh, the what the beacon is doing is it's it's making sort of the AI squids, right? It, it, to my eye, very similar to what we saw from the sort of future control from Discovery. Um, you can look at the the squid like design from the Matrix. Yep. It sort of seems like if inevitably AI becomes squids, squids. <laughs> squid tentacles is like the yeah, ultimate worms. Yeah, big big sneaky worms. Yeah. 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 Uh, so she she does make the choice and she shuts off the beacon, which makes the squids not go away, uh, not come through. I, I'm guessing they're like in like fluidic space equivalent, like species eight four seven two is how I mm-hmm. sort of thought of that in my mind. And uh, the Romulans are like, all right, there's nothing good that can happen here. We should run the hell away. <laughs> so they do. They they, they fly away and uh, and Starfleet's like, all right, we're done here. Let's peace out. Other stuff to do. We gotta you know deliver medical supplies somewhere. I'm sure deliver an admiral somewhere. Yeah. And <laughs> and uh, so we're we're left there with um, you know Picard is is dying and, and Soji sees this and lowers the the shield and transporter scrambler and and beams him and Sharati uh, to the surface and Picard has a very uh, heartfelt uh, goodbyes to all of his uh, crew there and uh, and he dies nice he called and it called it yeah <laughs> so there were there were a lot of, we'll talk about the weird Reddit theories I think in the recap of the season um, but I did feel like when they showed the the golem that it was going to end up with with Picard in there. Um, yeah. Uh, but so we did you predict? Do you predict that already, John? Well, we talked about it last but week. The, I raised it with you guys. Oh, I okay. said, do you do you think we're yeah. going to actually see Picard die in this series? Well, I, I didn't think in this episode. <laughs> you know, I thought maybe next se- next season, so they could end the season, like you know, yeah. captains die and then they move on to 
other series, right? So yeah, yeah. I thought they were going to shove that, you know, possibly into like but, a drawer somewhere, and then in the second or third season, it's like, yeah. hey, we've got a new Doctor Who. Every time, every time a Picard <laughs> dies, we we just shove out a new Golem. Right. Uh, yeah. but, like, but the thing about it is, the thing about it, yeah. The, I, I mean, as soon as as soon as he started dying, I went, yeah. But they got that. Never mind. You know, they got they already got the brain transferring, you know, memory transferring theory, and and they've got this, you know, ready made, fully formed, you know, Golem ready for somebody. Yeah, right? they don't so. say this is a limited opportunity thing. It's funny because later on, uh, and obviously we'll get more into this as we finish our recap, but the, the they mentioned that, um, you know, he sort of says, you know, well, my gain is your loss to Sung, who ostensibly was going to be the one transferred into this golem. But they don't say anything about there being a limitation. Like, they can make more, theoretically. Like, in, think, in, right? in a yeah, certain way, they've essentially exactly. just just mastered human immortality. Yeah. So can't they do that with yeah. any character going forward? Oh, we're going to end up talking about this. This is on my list. Yeah. It's not written here. Right. It's all well, I get to talk okay. about. Right. Recap let's finish our season. episode recap and we'll dig back into that because that's that's a whole kettle of fish is what that is. Yeah. I have yeah. several questions about this whole series. Yeah. We're, we're, we're in the home stretch here. So we see uh, Rios and Seven at sunset and they're sort of, you know, dealing, you know, drinking very bad alcohol, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what passes for alcohol for the sense. Um, and it looks like shampoo to me. Yeah. 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 And, and they sort of talk about their takeaways from this whole thing and Sevens is that uh, you know shouldn't kill folks even if they deserve it and Rios is like don't let old Starfleet captains get you into shenanigans is, is what his balls down to they just end up breaking your heart when they die you know he's, he's had that happen twice and that in um, practice your soccer shots because you never know when they'll come in handy I know right, right? he should have done some sweet <laughs> bicycle kick is what I thought was going to be happening um, you know, Raffi and uh, Elnor have a, their own sort of little moment too. And it's kind of cute because, you know, she's, you know, she's a mother and she's mm-hmm. doesn't have her child. And, and Elnor is sort of like a surrogate child in a way to everybody, right? He's, he's so innocent and he's very open about his, his pain. Um, but we end up... And, he's, and he was raised by women too. So he naturally would be attracted to seeking comfort with her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it makes sense that that would be, you know, where would you go for comfort? You know, you, you tend to go back to your habits when you're in emotional distress. So that makes sense. That's a good good point. Uh, and Picard wakes up in the Matrix. You know, he's, that's at least how I felt about it. Yeah. And he's, or, or, he's in, uh, or in the Hogwarts station or any other uh, analogy for people who wake up between life and death. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Picard is, is chatting with Data and they discuss how it's possible as this, uh, you know, quantum simulation here. And Picard's like, dude, am I dead? Yes, <laughs> yes, Captain, you are. And uh, yeah. they talk about how data's uh, information there and the the source of the positronic neurons we've wondered about is uh, you know data uh, information that was copied from B4 and, and the remnants that they had there uh, you got the oh man autocorrect messes up the uh, the soon soup and, and, and Maddox chunks is what I'd intended to write there is how they, <laughs> they made the secret recipe to do this and uh, you know Picard Picard heart data he, he definitely you know they have this whole thing he's like dude like, I felt really guilty that you you traded your life for mine and data's like well i mean is that, that's almost kind of insulting like i you wanted to trade mine for yours and it doesn't it doesn't make sense that you, that you would feel this way and uh really uh, mortality is what gives meaning to human life um i, I want you to to end to end me um even though i could have a search for spock, in <laughs> search for spock. <laughs> yeah and, and actually uh, there is an old tng episode uh there's a whole the, movie <laughs> time times arrow or something specifically with data where they they 
they um, they find his head or something, and it's like, oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Data, you died. Like, how do you feel about that? He's like, hmm. Well, he well, says he finds it comforting, it's, right? Yeah, it's like, you know, it, normally I could hypothetically live forever, and uh, I'll see my friends grow old and die, and I'll make new friends, and they'll grow old and die, but um, there's something kind of fitting about having finiteness to your, your existence. And in many respects, as, as, as a little side note, it feels like this is the ultimate, uh, the ultimate, not goal, but the ultimate um, coda on what Data was trying to do, right? Data wanted to become human and struggled, you know, his entire life to, to deal with that. And what is more human-like than passing away and, and dying? Mm-hmm. So it, it totally right. made sense yeah. to me that he would he would have this desire as, as much as Picard. Yeah, finite like, existence he talks about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It talks about, you know, the uh, butterfly that uh, lasts forever is isn't really a butterfly. Not a butterfly. Yeah. yeah. This also harkens back to McCoy having Spock's Katra put in, tight in his head and he, he can't deal with it at the beginning of Search for Spock. If you remember? Mm-hmm. Right. He wants to get out. He wants to get it taken out. Indeed, indeed. Um, so what I have called uh, Picard 1.1 patch release awakens as, as Picard walks out into the light uh, from the quantum simulation. And um, it's, you know, it's the golem version of, of Picard. So Picard's mind has, has been transferred into the uh, the synthetic body. And as I wrote here, he has gone full Charles Xavier, which is <laughs> interesting. If you, if you follow the X-Men series movies at all, uh, spoilers. He, he died. They, his body was obliterated by the Phoenix, and he had transferred his mind into a completely different body uh, that was shown in the, the after credits. That, that's a that's a thing that happened, folks. <laughs> to the same actor. <laughs> is, that, is that how they got the other actor to play after Patrick Stewart? Um... I don't remember how the continuity works. I don't believe so because uh, McAvoy was supposed to be a younger. Yeah, yeah I was going to say it's a, a prequel. Yeah, it's the prequel sequel thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they, you know, around the the breakfast table, um, they're they're telling Picard what what happened here, right? So they made the golem look like him, so it would you know be more comfortable to him than his normal wrinkles body. So they, at all. We'll come back to that. Yeah, it's yeah. like they didn't give him the bodybuilder build. They didn't give him like a Fabio with you know tons of <laughs> hair. Twenty four year old Picard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and, then, and the other things they they made him mortal. He has a sell by date that uh, you know if he didn't have the eremotic syndrome, you know how much longer would he last? You know, ten to twenty years, let's say, right? Because he's like ninety. Because he does he does say, "Did you make me immortal?" Exactly. Yeah, right? What a missed opportunity! They could have had Tom Hardy play him in the second season. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's not busy. No, what's he doing? Um, and and so they uh, they honor Data's wishes. Right, they start shutting down the the quantum simulation, and what we see in in the Matrix view is that Data is uh, uh, aging, and and with uh, a, an image, I guess, of uh, a young younger TNG era Picard. Uh, they have a final moment, and, and Data dies after aging. He's he's gone, dust in the wind. As they're doing that, they're playing Blue Skies, which of course is uh, yeah. where we started the season, and then also uh, you know uh, sort of yeah. ties it all together. And um, I've put a link in the notes here that. Uh, uh, that version of the song is being sung by Issa Briones, who is the uh, actress who plays Soji. Oh, oh really? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I knew that song had meaning from uh, Nemesis, where he, yep. I believe, sings it at the, the wedding of Riker and Troy. Yep. Um, let's see. So we end up seeing uh, the La Sirena crew together again. You know, I think just about everybody's on there. You have uh, Seven on there. You have uh, Rios. You have Girardi, who has completely avoided murder charges. <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> um, uh, Elnor is on there, I think. 
I mentioned that we have uh, Raffi. Uh, Raffi and Seven are uh, holding hands, which some folks have interpreted as romantic. I didn't. I viewed it as being more, um, you know, friends. I've, I've, seen, I've seen friends comfort each other in that way. So I'm not saying that it couldn't be a possibility. I mean, if, if they do uh, a Seven of Nine series as a Fenris Ranger uh, with Bejazel, like I really totally felt like they had a romantic relationship, right? It seems really implied, doesn't it? Raffi. Yeah. It seemed heavily implied with Bejazel. I don't really get that vibe with the Raffi thing. I think that was I guess that would explain why she's not with Chicote anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Or she didn't take Rios for a spin. Yeah. Yeah. Or he didn't take her for a spin. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and, uh, yeah. So then, we then they the, are the seven, right? There's this, the, a full crew. Yeah. Full crew. So now we've got Chekhov and Sulu in their rightful places. Mm-hmm. And Everybody's keyed up for, for season two. They say, you know, we have a data. And, and a funny line, engaged. too, where, where, where uh, Soji sort of says, you know, well, thanks to you, I'm free to travel now. And he says, yeah, me too. Picard says, yeah, me too, because he's now a synthetic too, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the synthetic ban. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then the, the synthetic ban was ended now that the whole, um, you know, enormous implications that I'm sure will be discussed in season two of the Tal Shiar, Jat Vash, uh, doing stuff against both the Federation and the Romulan Star Empire. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, that the, there was this plot. So the the Federation is several million light years away from where they are currently, and yet they make the decision to lift the ban of the synthetics? I mean, huh? well, it depends on how much time passes yeah. here, because yeah. it's kind of unclear. Um, but Starfleet got the message, right, with mm-hmm. their with their you know faster ships, and, and let's say Nepente is close enough for stuff to happen. And presumably, um, you know, enough info was passed to Riker of like, yo, uh, that head of Starfleet security was actually a Tal Shiar Romulan agents, and so that's not a problem. Well, either, and, right? Yeah, it's the attack on Mars too. If if the whole conspiracy is exposed, and then wouldn't that mean that the Romulans orchestrated this massive terrorist attack, and therefore it's an act of war? Like it's uh, it's know. a tricky one because it, it's you know it's, it's kind of interesting because you know Rafi is like a nine eleven truther, right? You know, so so for folks who who don't know that there are some folks in the United States and, and maybe elsewhere, but who believe that the United States government uh, or orchestrated the 9-11 attacks and, and there are folks who actually believe this and it sort of feels similar in that respect of like well what would happen here with the Romulans I'm like it seems like this one rogue agency decided to do this and even ended up you know in the deaths of many Romulans so it, it seems like a weird act of war to to say hey like all Romulans are bad it's like, well, it kind of feels like section 31 who has gone rogue as well mm-hmm. uh, what ends up happening there you know it's it, it's a very messy and gray situation of like, well, what can we do? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm hoping they end up covering that to some degree in, in season two. Yeah. But we've got, we got the ship, you know, engage is said and the ship takes off at warp and uh, get to the credits. Mm-hmm. See you in season two. Yeah. So uh, let's let's sort of circle back with it. I got a couple of things about this episode and then we can do our sort of overall impressions of the season. But uh, strange that we never circle back to Arcana or Narek or sort of a comeuppance or uh, some sort of repercussion for their actions. We don't see... It's, it's uh, Sutra that, that killed What's-Her-Name, isn't it? Uh, I thought Arcana was the Oh, I thought Sutra was the Oh, no, you're one. right. Yes, you are. Yes, you are right. That's right. You're right. It's, yeah, Sutra. So we never get it. Like, so is the, are we supposed to infer that when Soong presses the button that he deactivates her? Because that would be, I guess, yeah. a more fitting comeuppance for her actions is that she is then deactivated for having... 
Without a trial? Come brutally on. stabbed her, her friend in the eye. Because we don't see her from that point on. She gets turned off and that's the end. Like, we don't right, see her right. again in the entire episode. So are we supposed to infer that she is no more? Unclear. Because in my notes, and, and autocorrect uh, butchered this and I didn't even notice it. Uh, I put that Soong had tased her and it <laughs> corrected to taxes her, which is not the intention there. Yeah. Um, I, I assume it was very similar to to Lore, where he's not dead per se, because he could come back. Yeah, turned off. off. Yeah, yeah. Deactivated. Yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah. Shove him, shove her in a drawer somewhere. Maybe she'll come back <laughs> in season two. And we don't get any closure on Narek either. The last time we see Narek is in that sort of fight scene where they're trying to sort of fight to, to deactivate the beacon. We don't really get any closure on him, which seems a little odd, given that he was right. featured pretty prominently in this ser- series. And we don't get any... Uh, we. It's weird that, like, in the end, Seven goes with the crew and is, you know, we're all together in this. What happens to the XBs and this huge Borg cube that is sitting in a pond on, the, you know, Coppelius? Like, right, yeah. That's and where did Auntie Ramda go? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, like it's it's a very strange, uh, yeah, sort of non-conclusion for sort of you know maybe they'll maybe they'll circle back on that, but they're just like, well, peace out, folks. We we're out of here. Um, yeah. Maybe yeah, there is supposed it's... to be a passage of time that they don't don't document where like they save all the XBs and send them on their merry way, and they uh, you know have a, a trial for for um, uh, what was the character's name again? The the, the golden version of Soji. Sutra. Sutra. Sutra, that's right. Uh, they have a trial for her, and, and Narek is, you know, they fix up his ship, and he goes on his merry way, but none of that is documented. It seems like a bit of lack of closure on a few of those fronts. Right, yeah. Yeah, so last episode, I had posited a completely different ending. I thought this mm-hmm. was going to have a cliff, a very hard cliffhanger ending, because very similar to Discovery at times, uh, certainly the first season, and very much true for the second season, we're like, can they actually wrap it all up? And guess what? They said, hold my beer, I'm going to wrap this up um and yeah, they, they yeah. did largely wrap up the main thrust of the story but there are a lot of those loose connections that that they didn't do and i guess this, this is leading into my my take on the season mm-hmm. i like the season like the show i do think that if i had uh some of the glaring problems to me are that it, it starts off a little slow yeah. and it could have used like another episode or two if you're going to do that or tighten mm-hmm. up the beginning if you're going to hold it to 10 because it, it starts slow goes super fast in the middle and then is running at a you know, breakneck pace at the end. And this uh, season also teased me a lot. Like I was screaming so many times when like, oh my God, this cool thing is about to happen and it doesn't actually happen, right? Like I, I feel a, a release that still is, is, is it needs to be there um, when that's, uh, you know, Seven becoming the Borg Queen or the the cube coming out of uh, the Transwarp Conduit um, when Starfleet arrived. I just assumed it'd be double the pew 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 going on, you know. Um, yeah. So wasn't it? There was. This, I was just thinking about that because the, the two, the scene where they're all facing off against each other. You got like the, all the Romulan ships and all the Federation ships, and they're facing each other. And Riker's, you know, threatening them with, you know, my bigger gun and stuff like that. But doesn't she say we're going to fight at some point, Commander O? Like, what? I, did I miss something? Was there no pew pew between them? No. She. I think she was posturing, and they didn't actually end up fighting. So the squid showed up, and they they turned tail 
Island Man? Well, I think the idea was that when the squids showed up, they were prepared to destroy, like, fight through the through the Starfleet ships to get to the uh, kill the synths so that they could try and stop this end of days event that they saw. But when Soji mm-hmm. makes the decision to close it, oh, okay. she sees that as no longer a threat that they've, oh, that they've oh, so averted. Was like, oh, okay, never mind. We were just, you know. I think it's her way of basically yeah. saying, like, this is what they thought was the end of the world, and now they think this is no longer the end of the world because they've averted it because the, the synths changed their mind. So they're they're giving up on, what is it, 20,000 years worth of mythology or something? Uh, history, they would say. But yes, yeah, I guess that's the idea, right? Yeah, yeah at least the imminent threat is, like, it's a lose-lose sort of thing, right? There's That's true. Those Romulans <laughs> are so, vol- so logical. That's true. I keep forgetting that. No, it's more like, well, okay, <laughs> so we have to fight the AI stuff in the synths while getting mm-hmm. pummeled by Starfleet. If the imminent danger is over, maybe it's better just turn tail and run, and then let's see if we can go blow this place up later, right? Like, I, there's always a, another plan for the Romulans. Right, right, right. So they're not, uh, you know, die in glory like the Klingons. Yeah, and they've also showed their hand, too, because when, when Riker recognizes Commander Rao as the, you know, the top security officer or leader of the Starfleet security, Star Trek security, sorry, Federation security, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's kind of like exposed herself as, as was it Tal Shar, right? Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, a lot of hold my beer, wrap this up kind of stuff happened in this episode for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, this this story of the season was uh, an old man talking about Picard had, had lost his way, had lost his purpose yeah. in life and was just yeah. waiting to die. And he ended up finding his purpose and gaining that, that vigor. But for a second there, when he says, oh, no, not another dream. Uh, for a second there, I thought the entire season was a dream. You were you were pitching that hard. You thought that was the, the series as we go. Well, right? it's, you know, I mean, he is an old guy and we're looking at it from his point of view. Right. So yeah. who knows? I mean, like, like a lot of this could have been all happening in his head, right? So, for all we know, that mm-hmm. has happened before. Like, they could have gone um, the Rogue One Grand Moff Tarkin route, and yeah. you know, it turns out, oh, it, I'm, it's Tamalok. This was a Romulan plot the entire time to see in this simulation what would you do if right. the Federation and the Romulans did this, right? Like, well, that was that was not unreasonable. That has happened before in Star mm-hmm. Trek. Yeah, uh, but in any yeah. case, you know, Picard, old man, lost his way, um, regained. Uh, you know, his purpose in life and ultimately his body ended up failing him as he ended up sacrificing himself. And, and yet he still lives in a, in a not uncommon for Trek, right? Spock, um, is is certainly one way that comes to mind. Um, Harry Kim and Naomi Wildman are also not their selves. Um, O'Brien's future self killed his past self in some weird way. So he's not even the same person. Um, Right. Right. This is, this is just Tuesday in the Star Trek (laughs) universe. (laughs) It's not. It's not even the top ten weirdest things that have ever happened to the characters. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, now I think maybe you guys want to talk about like have they like talk, done immortality because this is like not even top ten way they've done it, right? So you could uh, you could keep yourself in the transporter buffer forever, like uh, uh, Scotty was doing. You could do the hey, remember when Pulaski became really old and they de-aged her? Mm-hmm. Why don't they do that right. for your card, right? Or hey, right. remember when they became kids <laughs> and they re-aged? 
pushed them to older. Like they yeah, just yeah. recreate that problem. Put them in the transporter, right? Yeah, I mean, it, plus we've got the Irishman technology now, right? I haven't seen the movie yet, but you know, they, where they basically took these actors and and uh, who are all in their seventies and eighties and stuff, and and made them look like they were in their you know forties and fifties, right? Because immediately, as soon as as soon as they brought Picard back, or they were going to bring Picard back, I'm like, why does he have to be wrinkled and old, and why does he have to be like why again? Why why isn't um, what's his name playing him um, or a younger person? Why couldn't you know, James McElroy play him? You know, yeah. Um, like like and Picard could. I mean, sorry, Patrick Stewart could still collect the executive producer money, right? And not have to get out of bed and whatever. But I mean, and the same thing. The same problem I have with Data. I'm sorry, Data did not look like a 50 year old man when they ended the last movie, right? Um, like he's got he's got that you know middle aged you know weight in his face, which yeah. we all end up having right yeah um you know it's they if we have the technology to, to recreate make a new body for somebody then then great i don't know if i don't know if you guys have ever seen the episode i was thinking about this the other day um twilight zone there's an episode where an old man and old woman have saved all their lives and they're going to this this place and they're looking at these gorgeous men like like i was thinking of Lyle, Lyle wagner actually you know that kind of you know 60s build you know strong man you know uh trap like try uh, inverted triangle kind of body you know broad shoulders barrel chested as you said last week and and the, they're looking at women who are gorgeous you know young you know 20 year old women with all the right curves in all the right places and and so the plan is that they're they've got the money to basically have themselves transferred into these younger bodies and continue to live their life right so they didn't just get themselves get their current body fixed up they would get themselves moving to the other body other thing and of course because it's the twilight zone we find out at the end of the episode that the man has sacrificed himself for the wife because they only had enough money for one transfer, right? Right. So she ends up living and he ends up, you know, being old and died or whatever. But um, again, we have the technology. Why are we, I mean, I, I, admittedly, yes, it's Patrick Stewart and he has to carry on into season two and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if they really if they really want to play on this angle of, of the guy died and now we put him back and put transferred his body into a, like a younger person, like if Soon, if Soon had, I, I don't know how to, what Soon's first name is, but if he had gone through with the, the transfer into his into the golem himself would he have left himself as an old guy or would he have just made himself like a 35 year old dude you know or 20 year old dude for all that matter right yeah his first name was altman by the way altman inigo ai soon yeah so I mean, because like you know, they 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 have all this fancy tech. I mean, if you look at all of the uh, all of the um, synths that they show in the show, they're all in their twenties, and you know, they're all young people, right? So why would they make why would they make an old man a synth, right? Uh, yeah, I guess it, it also prevents like it, it, this seems like it's unprecedented as far as this technology goes. I think they wanted didn't want to bring him back and have his like brain go into catatonia because they couldn't handle the fact that he was completely different, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, he could he could have carried on with that neuromotic syndrome in, into season two and season three because now it's no longer a factor it's no it's no longer his weakness it's no longer his kryptonite right well and it's funny on a show that was sort of fixated around the idea of mortality and how mortality defines one's life it's funny to have removed that from him which is something that has obviously been part of his life for a long time and they've also taken out the jason Bourne chip too right because he's not going to be able to leap into action and start running like a madman and you know yeah which is probably for the best uh (laughs) so overall i mean you know do you guys are you happy with this? If this is our first return in twenty plus years to uh, to this mm-hmm. this part of the Star Trek universe, are you happy with where we sort of began and ended? And uh, 
Uh, are you surprised that they wrapped it up in a bow? No, I'm not. But I mean, the it's good Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not. I, you know, I I really do. I mean, I love the character. I love Seven of Nine. You know, I could watch them for, no matter what show they're in. Like you know, like like I love these these two particular characters and Data as well, right? Um, or you know, anything that Brent Spiner plays. But um, and Riker, he's funny, you know, and that kind of stuff. And and I like the fact that 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 they they did employ these characters in in the show right um but yeah i overall i didn't find it a great i mean a great series it's, it's a little in some ways better than discovery for sure um but is it know, or is it just more because of the nostalgia like i don't know that it is a better it, yeah. it's a tough one i don't know one. that it's a better series than the second series of of discovery for for sure yeah, i just i yeah. think maybe it's just that we love these characters so much i don't know that it's necessarily better written yeah we talked about the fact that it took three episodes to get off the ground yeah right they kind of wasted three episodes there and and this sort of you know it, it, this has almost had that you know i've always complained about um uh what is it uh what's the third um prequel of star wars uh the oh, revenge of the sith revenge of the sith revenge of the sith yeah the you know the last hour last 20 minutes of the revenge of the sith sith uh, swear george lucas is standing with a checkboard saying okay but you check off all of these things before the movie ends right yeah because it all happens at breakneck pace at the end of the movie. i mean it's kind of sort of like that in terms of the way this episode resolved itself right um you know he dies oh well it's okay he died because we all all three of us i think knew they were going to bring him back right of course because we already know they signed on for season two there's no surprise there right it's funny a friend of mine was saying i was just talking to him just before the show and he's like i gotta go watch picard i said i said spoilers he doesn't make it all the way through he's like oh no don't tell me that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I agree it's hard and it, it will take a while to figure out where this fits uh right now things are you know raw uh, i do suspect it is good but not great trek and and it's certainly not bad. I just want to be very clear when I'm criticizing it, uh, very similar to discovery criticisms. Uh, it comes from a place of, of love and I'm not joining the crew. They're like, oh, I can't believe they stomped all over my childhood. You know, I'm not doing that. I'm like, is this great? Is this as great as some of the best that we've seen? I don't think it is, but I do think it's good. Mm-hmm. So it's I kind of like a James Bond particular. movie in that sense. You know, you're going to watch a James Bond movie because you like the character, right? Yeah, it's definitely well done from that perspective. I do think that uh, CBS really does need to figure out how to plot out and pace all of these things so that it works sort of seamlessly. Um, you know, if you're going to hold yourself to 10 episodes, you, you better make them count. You know, speed things up where you need to speed up and you need to yeah. slow things down where you need to slow them down, right? You can't have it be, all right, we've got room. Oh, crap. <laughs> I need to finish up this essay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> finish it up, finish it up. And in conclusion, you know, in, in one paragraph, um, it's a common problem. Uh, Disco had that for both of its seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Picard suffers uh, just to a lesser degree, funny enough, I think, um, but still ends up having it. So the whole Hopefully they'll they'll learn from that. Yeah, yeah. It does feel like this would have been if if there was going to be no season. If this was the Daniel Moth, this was the end of all of Picard's adventures for us. I suppose this would have been a satisfying thing. I think I agree with you that it was. Uh, it, it's strange considering that this was. Uh, we know there's going to be season two. It did feel really hurried, and it did feel really like you're right. It was kind of like a checklist at the end where it was just like, oh, and Riker's back, and oh, and Seven gets her conclusion to her story, and. And, 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 and like it, it just felt like it was a little too neat in that way. Um, if this was going to end as you know, this was the last of you know Picard. This was the last of Data. This was the last you know we sort of said goodbye to all these characters. I think that would have been different. But it does feel a little bit uh, too neat. 
neatly tied for something that is now an ongoing series. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know if they will step away at all from the highly serialized um, style. I would suggest that if they're not going to be really strict on plotting things out so you don't have weird lulls and you don't have hyper rush um, at the end, I wouldn't mind seeing them just step off the pedal a little bit and say, if we went with uh, like seasons five, six and seven of Deep Space Nine, mm. where you do, very, especially during the Dominion War stuff, you do have a very heavy story arc that you know you have to watch it in sequence for it to like really make sense um but you do have time to have individual episodes that aren't directly related to the war but you know sometimes they give you nuggets of flavor or oh that i didn't realize that was important that was like a b plot of that other episode and it's it's totally becoming important here i think that can work where you know you have this goal that you're trying to get to and and you can hit the waypoints on the way but you have a little bit of room to do something different so that if, eh, you know, season, uh, sorry, episode five was a little weird and slow, but at least it told us this important thing. And then by the tail end, that was the key to saving the day sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that could still work. Well, this this season is like one 10 hour or however many hours it is, like yeah. one 10 hour I mean, movie, right? Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, would this have worked as a movie? Because if you if you look at the beginning, the, the prequel or the, the recap that they did at the beginning of the of the episode, it, it recapped the entire season, right? Like mm-hmm. it had, I mean, it didn't hit all the high points, but it hit most of the story points that if you hadn't if you had not seen you know they reminded us of all the sort of things that that had happened um i think i think part of the problem is that you know as star wars and star trek fans we kind of want it to be game of thrones but it's never going to be you know mm. like in that sense like a game of thrones was like you know it was epic right and we kind of i think we kind of expect this stuff to be epic and and this season just wasn't i mean it was it was interesting it was you know it was a, a good story point in in the career of jean-luc picard i mean it was better than any one single episode of, of, well, I mean, I mean, maybe stretching it, but better than most of the episodes of, of The Next Generation, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I disagree. Because of the time and whatever, but it wasn't, the, the writing wasn't superior. I mean, there were some really amazing time loop, you know, time tunnel, time vortex episodes in The Next Generation, which I really enjoyed, right? I always enjoy those kind of things. And they, you know, they didn't hit any of those kind of points. And I think they could have gone a lot more, they could have done a lot more with this whole idea since. I mean, you know, they, they spent seven years working on data right mm-hmm. you know because i don't think they kind of he grew as you he, we grew with him you know um he was kind of an anomaly in the first episodes of of the next generation but over time you know he had a cat he had a kid you know we he found his head in the sand and you know he met mark twain and all that kind of stuff right you know mm-hmm. that was fun stuff and but that you know those those story points you know the uh, star trek the next generation didn't have really a sort of a it ended up having a full arc when they brought q back at the end you know it, it did or, but it also know, it, it had through lines for i think each of the characters not all of them but i mean Worf certainly had a very strong through line through the sure, through the story yeah. that and he continued that, into deep space nine yeah, exactly. yeah for yeah. me i think he was the sort of underrated uh character um picard certainly had one Riker, i think had a little bit of one there was definitely troy, one for yeah. data troy certainly had one where she sort of went from this sort of you know uh you know ingenue your entertainment director aboard the starship love boat to being this like wearing the uniform, passing her command chests, everything else. So there was certainly yeah, doesn't she fly the, the the Enterprise into the ground at one point? 
she was at the helm, if I'm not mistaken, in Generations yeah. when the saucer section is, right. yeah. when, you know, the, well, the Star Drive section is blown up. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, again, lots of lots of evolution for the different characters over time. I, I still think, you know, obviously, you know, Data and Worf were, were two of the standout characters next to Picard. I think there's a good case to be made. I'd almost rather have seen an entire Worf series out of this. Uh, if they're going to go into the future of this world, I would have liked to have seen how that goes. But uh, yeah, it's funny. I was thinking about the, you know, the idea of this being sort of one 10 hour story. To me, the, the number one standout episode of Discovery so far after two seasons is the bottle episode that they did. It's the episode where Harry Mudd is using the time thing where he's popping in and screwing with the timeline on the ship and they have to keep doing this thing over and over again. He keeps killing uh, the captain, right? You remember that yeah. episode? That, that was uh, magic to make the sanest man go mad or yeah. some similar name for the title. Yeah, yeah, that was a really cool episode. That was a very cool episode, but again, self-contained. Like, you didn't need to know a lot about where they were, where they were going. I mean, it helped, obviously, if you knew that Lorca had run into Harry Med and run afoul of him. But even then, like, it was it was just a really well-told story. And, I, yeah, I do, I do think that even in these shortened, serialized seasons, there's still place for really well-written, contained stories. I wouldn't have said that this first season of, of Picard was necessarily the place to do that. But I mm-hmm. wonder if maybe now going forward, we have an opportunity to do more of that now that we've sort of resolved this one sort of arc of, you know, Picard getting old, finding his new legs in, in this new adventure, dying and being reborn. I wonder if now there's an opportunity to, to explore some of those things. Although, again, with a seven member cast and, you know, another again, another 10 episodes, season, you kind of need to do an episode focused around each one of them at a certain point. And, you know, it's it's tricky. It's tricky storytelling. Mm-hmm. I do think that some of the stuff that I liked about season two of Discovery was that they had the the overarching goal of seven signals deal with the Red Angel, right? But they did have time to do some, and I don't think they did enough of this, but they you could see it's a big difference from season one where they did more one-off episodes of, mm-hmm. hey, here's where we go see, um, what was the name of the planet with the new, the humans who had been transported, New Genesis or something. Mm-hmm. That yeah, yeah. New, I mean, yeah. New Eden, right? That was a completely different episode than like when they went to Kaminar or, you know, other ones. So I think they can do more of that. Hopefully this has given them some experience because, um, you know, the one with New Eden and sort of diving into, you know, to Captain Pike as who is this person as a, as a individual and a commander. But that was really good. It was very sort of very trekky, very old school trekky in that respect. And yet it was still part of a larger whole. Yeah, I do think uh, it'll be interesting to see how they sort of spin it forward from here. Uh, I, I think, you know, the, <laughs> I think the next logical phase is just for them to sort of say, you know, never mind that Picard is a synth now, just focus on him being him and we'll focus back on the, you know, the next part of this adventure for him. I, I, I wonder what the overall crux of that will be for next season. Yeah. I, you know, so we know that he has invited Whoopi Goldberg to season two and as Guinan. I think that might be an interesting one to bring forward. Um, I think there is discussion with Robert Picardo to resume his role as the mm. emergency medical hologram. That might be interesting as well. I want uh, Worf and Jordy. So Jordy, I kind of wonder if <laughs> LeVar Burton will want to do it, but I have to imagine that Michael Dorn as Worf has already broken quarantine and is, you know, hammering at the door of CBS like, for the love of God, I want to be on this show. And I would really? love to see it because I want to see what is Worf's opinion of this situation. And if I was writing it, I would want to write about the 
struggle between, uh, you know, Worf respects Captain Picard. He's like, you know, uh, if you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand, right? Right. And I respect right. you so much that even at your worst, I'm I'm going to give you some slack. And yet Worf also believes in, you know, like I, I, he, he can't wait to die honorably, right? He can't just, right, he just right. salivating. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yo, Picard, if you were dying, why didn't you, why'd you come hit me up, man? We would have gone on some crazy ass adventure and died together, right? And yet yeah, you, sure. you did die and yet you are here. To, how do I feel about you? I think it'd be kind of similar to his feelings around um, Dax, right? You know, with Jadzia died. Esri is sort of Jadzia, but not. And I feel like it right. might be yeah. Yeah, similar in that respect. Mm. I always thought it was funny. It was interesting that um, Cisco always sees uh, Dax as the old man. Mm-hmm. Even when it doesn't matter what body he's uh, it's occupying, right? So yeah, yeah. that's kind yeah. of an interesting, interesting concept. I have a question and it comes to Gates McFadden. Do we know why she left Star Trek for a couple of years or a year? Because she was on for like one season or two seasons as the doctor and then she Beverly Crusher and she left and came back and uh it's a good question i i seem to recall there being a story about it i i don't know if there was an issue with uh hmm. with her or if an issue or i know contract or something yeah or... Oh, yeah something i don't know let's see or they thought maybe people didn't like her i'm gonna i'll google it while you guys right. move on to other things yeah so i was you know as long as you know cbs folks feel free to to hit me up if you want to add me as a as a screenwriter for y'all um as long as we're adding stuff i'm like all right so we've got cool cgi technology if we are going to have the EMH come on, it would be kind of interesting to show him as he was in Voyager, unchanged, and then have him talk to Picard about, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. So you have a synthetic body and yet you look old. And we yeah. consider that. I, I will try that too. And then, okay, no more CGI. Now it's just straight up Robert Picardo looking older because he has set his his uh, visual um, you know appearance to look that's that way. That's keep me happy, right? Yeah. Right? So that could be that could be a thing, especially because he would, I think, as a synthetic life form, understand Data's perspective on it. Um, and I would do something, not both of these to be clear, but if you're going to have uh, John Delancey come as Q, I would do something kind of similar with the CGI of like, oh, Picard, you're, you're so old. And like, mm-hmm. All right. I'll, you know, to make us both the same, I'll make myself look older too. All right. So we've gotten the, the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This is why we don't want to spend the CGI anymore on every episode. And you could also have um, Q, you know, sort of whisper to Picard is like, you know, the, the trial never ended Picard even after death. How about that? You know, you just would imagine John Delancey delivering it much better than I did right now. I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent behind, uh, Q coming back. And yeah, I think that's obviously a really fun way to do it is have him show up and be like, well, you're old. So I wanted to be old too. You know, like, yeah, I think that could work really well. And, and the, the chemistry between Patrick Stewart and John Delancey was so good in the series. You, you'd have to think that there would be some magic if the two of them got back on the screen together. Um, did you see the, uh, I, I just, um, looked up Gates, Gates McFadden. Did you find it, Tim? Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna. Yeah, it's gonna. I, off of Wikipedia, it talks about how um, head writer Maurice Hurley didn't like her, didn't like working with her, um, so he had her let go at the end of season one. And then Diana Muldar, who was who had been in the original series, joined as the Doctor, and uh, yeah, she didn't develop any chemistry. And uh, they tried to get her back, and took a call from Patrick Stewart of all people, and a few and numerous fan letters, obviously, to bring her back. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that what you're gonna say? Yep, exactly right. Yep, if you can trust Wikipedia. Wikipedia is a source, then that's the truth. Well, Wikipedia is us, right? So. Yeah. Any, <laughs> anything that's open source has got to be just a little bit, you got to put a little bit of doubt in everything you yeah. read there. 
gotta, okay. gotta check your sources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, you know, but that's uh, what they do though. Yeah. yeah I, but I've got a, uh, I have a few colleagues who are, um, well known enough to have Wikipedia pages on themselves and they are constantly mm-hmm. pointing out the number of inaccuracies on there. Uh, right, right. so you have to take it with a grain of salt. Well, I've written stuff for Wikipedia and they've taken it down. Mm-hmm. So and I've written some stuff for Wikipedia and they left it up. So yeah, they are, they are very harsh critics. People who run it. Yeah. I think it's they come do think a long way. There's a little bit of commentary on Pulaski's season. I do think it was sort of weird that they said, what if McCoy, but woman as a direction <laughs> for the character. And I think it really didn't work. She was just so harsh and off balance. Yeah. Like it works, yeah. you know, with, with McCoy being, you know, space racist against Spock. Like it really fits that trio. Yeah. And I think it just didn't fit TNG very similar to like, imagine, uh, <laughs> I guess this is possible. And imagine plucking Wesley Crusher and then shoving him into deep space nine. Like, does he yeah. fit in there? Heck no. Mm. <laughs> Heck no. He doesn't fit into there. Um, and so I just think her character just didn't fit that, that style of show. See, well, the thing about it is in the original series, uh, Kirk McCoy and Spock were id, ego and super ego. That's where they, I think they come from, from that sort of idea of psychology, right? Cause you know, Kirk was like the crazy kid, you know, and McCoy and, and Spock were the, were the balancers, right? In their set, in their own ways. Like mm, indeed, McCoy was super emotional and, and Spock was super logical, right? So mm. that's why I've always seen those three because the three of them together mm. create the, create the show, create the chemistry. Yeah. It really wasn't an ensemble show for, for TOS, right? It was in, in mm-hmm. the movies also revolve around those three, but as an aside, is George Takei too old to do a, uh, a Captain Sulu series? Admiral Sulu. Sure. But you know, you, you, you <laughs> shove them on the, the, uh, the Excelsior A or something and, yeah, and move yeah. on, you know, you, you I don't know, but could he be a serious, school? could he be serious now in his later years, right? He's, he's, you know, he's a lot more, a lot less reserved than he was when he was on Star Trek, you know? If you know, Indeed. You know what I'm saying, he, right? he, he definitely yeah. leans really hard into the, oh my, kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> self-referential things. That's a good point. Yeah. Good yeah. Point. yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. Should we wrap up on, uh, what, what do you got here on your, your uh, link there, Jonathan? I just added some real-time follow-up to our conversation about uh, streaming bandwidth. So the Canadian press has filed a story this evening that says that uh, Netflix has lowered its video quality in Canada as demand for bandwidth has surged. Really? So the streaming giant says it will introduce changes today that are designed to slash its data traffic by 25% as internet service providers deal with a surge in user activity in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. So the lower bandwidth streams of Netflix programs should deliver the usual quality of each plan, the company said, whether it's ultra high definition, 4K high definition, or standard definition. However, they are apparently, uh, let's see, what does it say here? In a blog post last week, the said that they... Are they going to cut your rates? <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. You know, let me ask that question last With the week, changes, right? Ken Florence said Netflix is simply removing the highest bandwidth streams from the platter of options. So I guess that means no more 4K? So I'd like mm. my money back, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, it's a difficult situation. I am of the mind that it is uh, as individual consumers, it feels a little uncouth during the current situation to go start a campaign on Twitter or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, against them. At the same time, I also do think it would be quite proper for all of these providers. I'm going to throw Amazon here too, because prime deliveries are not prime deliveries anymore for no. anything other than essentials, right? It's, it's a very dire situation. It'd be very nice if Netflix and Amazon and all these other ones said, hey, you know, we lowered it to this. We're going to give you a discount for that time period. Yes, we will take a hit, but everybody sort of understands in the stock market that like this is a goodwill gesture during a very troubling time. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting thing. I know some of the prime things I was ordering are like going to be like a month away from now. Is that is that because they're not like if you want it sooner you have to pay for it, or or they're just not honoring the because I mean obviously because of the current climate are they not honoring it because of that? Like they want to make sure. You... My understanding is they're prioritizing essential oh, okay. items. You know, okay, like so that's food. Yeah. So and my my, my Microsoft my microphone boom from my podcast doesn't count, right? <laughs> it's quite essential to us. So you'll get no yeah, argument yeah. here. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, hey, the, the, I can't get anywhere else. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Everything else is, is like lockered up, right? Let's like, let's know. make a case for the fact that the Spockcast and uh, more than just code podcasts are an essential service that Tim is providing here to help people get through this yeah. difficult no, time. I, I wasn't even going to put this part in the show just to be honest <laughs> with you. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few are the one, Tim. That's, yeah, we, that's true. We, we, we got we to gotta go into the reactor. And, no, and that was actually a genuine question I was asking you guys. But thanks for, thanks for you know, making it. <laughs> We make it fun. Me. If you put it on the show, it ends up fun. That's right. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, I did have another question. Oh, you know what I was going to ask you, though? So, John, you got a link here from YouTube. What's that? That's Before the link the to uh, Issa Briones singing Blue Skies. Oh, I see. Okay, sorry. You didn't mention that. Okay, yeah. I missed it. Okay. So you'll be able to listen right, well, to that so if you want. Shall we move on to our watch list? We shall. All right. I mean, you got something there? Yeah, I have not heard of Tubi, not to be confused with Quibi. This is another streaming service that has uh, cropped up, I guess. The main reason I'm bringing it to your attention is that uh, what we left behind looking back at Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the wonderful documentary, uh, which I actually saw in the theaters when it came out for that special event, is available for free to stream on Tubi. Nice. We got the link there. I will note that it does not work if you have an ad blocker running, so, you know, turn off that ad blocker or fire it up in an incognito window. I wonder if we have to use our um, our tunnel bear for that, too. Oh my gosh, does this not work in Canada? I, I, I apologize. Don't know. I don't know. Till I click on it, I won't know. Well, anyway. Too bad yeah. there aren't ways to watch these things. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm assuming they're doing it as part of, you know, the many things that we've mentioned that, that folks are doing to help keep folks, you know, socially distanced Stained. and yet yes. maintain yeah. their sanity as they uh, yeah. they deal with the lockdown from COVID-19. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I don't know, Tim, I don't know the, the problem with uh, Amazon Prime not working right now is like, I don't know how I'm going to acquire my purge mask. You know, we're, <laughs> we're rapidly adding there. We're, all crime is legal for one day and I don't have an appropriate mask. At the rate mm-hmm. your your president is going, I would not at all be surprised if the purge was declared any day now. Like it really feels like that's the slope you guys are on right now. Start watching yeah. all this dystopian fiction to prepare myself. Yeah, yeah. Get out there, get the welding kit out there, and start putting the spikes on your car. Uh, my watch list uh, thing I've got here. So the in this tradition of uh, people who are creative doing creative things around the messaging for uh, COVID nineteen. Last week we talked about how. Uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost did a homage to Shaun of the Dead as their promotion for this. Uh, and so Jodie Whittaker has done a uh, in-costume, in-character uh, COVID-19 piece as the Doctor from Doctor Who. Um, very funny. Just a little, again, little one-minute thing on uh, on Twitter. But fun to see some of the things that people are sort of finding in the creativity. I've been enjoying uh, a lot of... Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge music uh, fan. Um, normally, I would be going to a concert or two each month mm-hmm. and uh, so very very sad to see so many of my concerts uh, re- postponed or rescheduled or cancelled uh, so I've been enjoying a lot of the uh, creative creativity of people you know going on doing Instagram lives and Facebook lives and things like that playing their music and uh, yeah to see these people who are playing these characters all also getting out there and just uh, trying to keep pe- people's spirits up and, and also get across this very important message about uh, how to uh, how to deal with yourself during the situations and maybe reaching a few people
people uh, just through some humor and through some uh, some uh, character pieces is, is is fun. And so good on Jodie Whittaker for doing this. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the one? Hang on, sorry. Is that the one where she's in the closet talking, like she's in the closet talking to about what's going on outside or whatever, and how she's staying inside? She is. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting that she doesn't mention it by name. You no, know? I don't think she ever mentions the the issue by name. No, she's just talking about like there's something awful outside. Don't go outside. You know, it's like very again, very yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very yeah. very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last little thing I've got in here is just a little a little sales pitch. Um, so I know that uh, you know a lot of people like to collect their movies still on uh, and not just have them streamed occasionally, but uh, want to have full time copies. The uh, iTunes here in Canada is having a sale this week uh, where they're doing movie bundles that are discounted, and one of the discounted bundles is the entire Star Trek film library. So mm-hmm. you can buy all ten of their movies as digital copies for your iTunes library, and it's thirty dollars. So it works at the three bucks a movie, or alternatively, it's six dollars for the good ones and it's free for the crappy ones. <laughs> wait, ten? So <laughs> wait, does that include uh, the the Kelvin verse movies? Then it does not. This is the ten okay. uh, TNG slash TOS movies. Okay. There is a so, separate bundle that has the three other ones in it, which I think is I think it's the three of them for twenty dollars or something like that. So they're not they're a little more expensive given their relative age. Um, so how does one find movie bundles these days now that we don't have iTunes anymore? What do you mean we don't have iTunes anymore? Well, I don't I I've, I don't know if you haven't maybe upgraded your computer or whatever, but I now have um, this TV app that I have to look at for things. Yeah, they're, they're all still on there. Yeah, I just I'm, is that how you're finding them, or you're just calling it iTunes? Or uh, no, I mean right now I I think I found them on my iPhone. Um, okay. Oh, I see. Because right. they're still an app, yeah, right? Different. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's how I found them was was looking through the app. So every I think it's Tuesday they update the movies that are on sale and they update the bundles that are on sale. Oh, here they are, movie bundles. I found some Star Wars. And some yeah, so they've got Potter. they've got a pretty good deal this week. Some you know contemporary movies for as low as by the time you bundle them five bucks. But 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 the cheapest one they have right now is yeah three bucks a, three bucks a truck movie. Um, mm. So even if you don't want to rewatch uh, the original uh, you know motion picture or you know I don't want to watch that again. Uh, part five I think would be the one I would recommend avoiding most of all. Uh, that's probably yeah. the most reprehensible example of a film uh, in that franchise. However, really? um, oh, I mean, really, do you want to take a vote? One through ten? Want to rank them? No. That sounds like a future uh, episode a game. One. It was a tough one, and I feel like my opinions on Nemesis would change given how critical it is to understand like the deeper part of Star Trek Picard. Mm, yeah, maybe. It was a lot less important before. I've seen a few of my friends uh, who, uh, over the last few weeks, are doing sort of, you know, things to keep themselves busy. One, one of my friends did watch all of the ten original films and said uh, he's actually enjoyed Insurrection more than he thought he would uh, rewatching it so much later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is underratedly again. Essentially, it's just a long and high production episode, value yeah. episode of the show, but yeah. a good one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a tricky one too. But like I say, three bucks a movie, go nuts. I don't think you're going to go wrong on uh, taking a chance on those for that price. Even uh, I think the other one that I purchased recently was uh, they've discounted the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's 
$18 Canadian. And uh, the reason that I, I uh, wanted that one is because that's also the 4K transfers too. So if you wanted okay, to get the 4K right. Blu-rays, they would be significantly more expensive than that. But if you get this version, then uh, you can... Again, I don't know if iTunes is throttling its streaming, but you can do the full download and you can watch it as well and it'll be 4K. So. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I think I'll have to go over to the iPhone because I'm not seeing the same sort of choices. So, uh, Jaime, what do you got here? This Doctor Who character? So I am new to the Whoverse, <laughs> and I didn't know what a Santarin was. I had to look it up. Oh, yeah. In this audio-only medium, it won't make sense, but I threw into the show notes here uh, what my face looked like when I Googled them. They're an interesting design, that's for dang sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're a unique-looking species. Yeah, definitely, for sure. I like the rhino, rhino guys that they had. The Jundun? Jadun. Jadun. Yeah, yeah those, guys those are dudes cool. are pretty cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter is at Dev with the Hair. And of course, if they could figure out where your your house is, they could find you there too, right? Um, Jonathan, if people want to get a hold in touch with you, uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. Alrighty, and my name is Timitra, T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me lurking around. So, until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. Live long and prosper. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. This is John Luke Picard. Shut up, Wesley. Sorry, say again. Just the tag. Gotcha. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. question then we can have that discussion we still have still never did our spockies and normally we would end up filling the hiatus with Movies, you know like yeah. big tentpole pictures which are like not yeah. happening so who knows yeah mm-hmm. um and i don't know if this showed for y'all but we got a very brief disco tease uh, not even teaser like a like a moving trailer uh, a moving poster um it was just uh michael burnham uh, oh yeah yeah that the like planet so you guys did see this it wasn't a cbs all access thing they showed the like yeah discovery coming soon which is not a date so who knows yep well and there was some discussion around uh post-production on some of these things now has sort of gone a little bit askew right so so some things are going to be able to continue depending on where they're at like they delayed the, the one things i didn't mention in our uh in our recap was that they've announced that they've delayed the final episode of walking dead for the season there's been a few things that they couldn't finish because post-production requires a bunch of people working on stuff and there isn't the capacity with this shelter in place stuff that's going on so i think that's um yeah i think that's uh, in a few circumstances that's the case
space for shows. They've also announced all the CW shows that uh, they had to shut them down. Um, so they're all going to sort of reach a, a cap at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a few different news stories talking about this uh, this teaser that went up as well. The um, and it's a weird one. Did you see the, the with the Burnham with the flag and like when did this one go it, up today? Uh, yeah, this morning I think. Okay, I haven't seen production it. was completed in February. Is currently in post production, which is being done remotely, but they haven't announced when it's coming. And then mm-hmm. Lower Decks is again also sort of in the offing as well. And there hasn't been any news about um, what's happening with the Section Thirty One one that they were working on. I had assumed pre um, pre pandemic that oh clearly right after Picard they're going to have like a week maybe two at most before Discovery starts. They can keep you paying you know for your your service uh, continuously. But um, now it, maybe that's why they gave the free month. They're like uh well everybody who's paid for Picard you know will only miss like a month I sorry a week and this will get us subscribers to fill the gap right yeah watch it free for a month catch up on everything and hey look we've got the show ready for Discovery now you can continue paying us or start paying us I should say yeah so are you still watching the ready room or whatever it's called the yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch uh, this final one because uh, I think I had said this before Jonathan came on that um, just given the, the length of this episode, I watched mm-hmm. about half of Picard well, but, during so, lunch and they, then half during dinner. So I didn't have a chance to watch Ready Room, which I normally watch during dinner. But are they doing like Zoom calls or they're or they all in the can already? I think they were all in the can. Yeah, that um, makes cause, sense. Because on The Talking Dead, they've gone to the like a Zoom call style where you've got the four, four people talking, you know, clearly sitting at home instead of having sitting on the couch as they normally do right so i haven't been watching the walking dead but i do st- still have the talking dead so it's kind of weird watching a zoom call on your television right yeah. speaking of event days apparently today also as well as being dr who day is also uh leonard nimoy's birthday yeah, oh wow how old would he have been uh so oh let's see just saw it a second ago yeah. he was born on march 26 1931 so he Let's see. 31 is 11 years from now, so he would have been 89. Also, it's weird. He's been gone six years. Have you have you guys seen uh, William Shatner's uh, tweets during the pandemic? No. No, I haven't. He's been doing them as captain's logs. Oh, yeah? Oh, it's it's well worth following. Hmm. I do follow him, but I haven't seen any of his stuff. Yeah, so. he's been doing them as, you know, captain's log, stardate, blah, blah, blah. And then he talks about, like, the weird world that he's in being trapped at home as an 89-year-old man. Hmm. Just saw a video of Kurt Browning roller skating. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. There. Yeah. Somebody was telling me today about the uh, there's a whole bunch of WebEx calls where people are going to the bathroom but they don't realize they're still on camera. Oh yeah, I've I've heard that. I've actually yeah, I, <laughs> I saw the one with the, the the blonde lady, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, that was the one I'd seen. Yeah, there were, yeah, there was one where somebody was doing it at like a uh, they were doing a virtual town hall or something like that, or a, a city council meeting or something like that remotely, and somebody wore like had put on a microphone so it would be clear, but then you could hear them going to the bathroom in the background. And uh, yeah, I've, I've my coworkers have said that a few times because sometimes we'll do a video chat and sometimes we're just doing an audio chat. And a few times people have said, I'm running a faucet. Like, it's just, you know, they're trying to be head off things at the past before you get the wrong impression. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I use, what, what is yeah, this? Is this push mic control or is this shush? Yeah. Push yes. mic control. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or shush with, uh, it's off normally for audio yeah. and then I have to push, push a button talk. to talk. Yeah. So that was a rookie move on the on the, the audio part. The other part that's a rookie move is if you're going to go on the toilet and you can't miss the call, you have to turn the device away from you. 
<laughs> so that nobody oh, sees yeah, anything. We're, so we're not doing video calls on, on um, yeah, so they can't see the tile behind you or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you turn off your video, and if you somehow forgot that, you turn the device away, and that's if you're not using the, the nifty covers for the, the webcam and stuff. There are, there are many... Yeah. Yeah, we talked yesterday about uh, Westworld on uh, More Than Just Code. Of course, Jaime had to cover his ears, right? <laughs> yeah, because you guys had seen the episodes, I think, and I and I haven't. So is it coming out once, like, you know what, what day of the week it's coming out on? Westworld? Sundays, I Sunday thought. nights, yeah. Yeah, it's in the it's in the glamour spot for uh, HBO. It's the Sunday night Game of Thrones Oh, Sunday spot. night, okay, right. Wait, gotcha. it's like yeah. 9 p.m. Does that make it midnight for you guys? No, they it's time shifted, so it's the same oh, time. Oh, okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. Got it, okay. So I watched the, uh, I've watched all of the amazing stories on Apple TV. Mm. Oh, sorry, all the three, there's only three of them out right now. So I think they, they did the same thing they did with uh, the other Apple TV shows. They show you three of them and then I guess because you, if you have a free service, you can't watch, the, you can't binge the entire thing as, as Jaime would do if he had it, right? So, mm. <laughs> Have you watched Amazing Stories at all, Jaime? I've only seen the first one. Are the other two uh, Yeah, there's, there's three of them up there, yeah. So the, the first one was about, uh, was it about a kid, right? Uh, uh, I don't know what you mean by kid, but boy. it was the guy who boy. was in the basement. In the base. Yes. He, he yes. goes back in time yeah. to the 1919. Yeah. yeah, the next one is about a runner, and then the third one is uh, stars um, Robert Forster, who is no longer with us. He was uh, he plays an old dude in that one, which he was, coincidentally, but yeah, sort of a superhero kind of story. It's interesting. But yeah, the, the, just like the three of them, and then I guess we have to wait for the rest episode. Like, I, I would assume another episode is coming out on Friday, which is what they were doing with uh, The Servant and For All Mankind and The Morning Show. When I watch those ones, they, you, you only get the first three episodes and then you have to wait every week to get a new episode right yeah it, it seems like apple tv plus has done it in a modified it's not netflix drop them all at once and it's yeah not, yeah uh, cbs all access tease them out one week at a time it's like you drop a handful and then you got to wait for the rest yeah i did finish mythic quest too I, these are, this, this is technically my my watch list but i watched myth Myth mythic quest that was kind of good yeah yeah i gotta do that one and there's trailers out that we didn't talk about for um uh home before dark which looks interesting and uh defending jacob which also looks interesting what is those about so home before dark is about this nine-year-old girl who is investigating uh, like as a reporter this and i guess it's based on real stuff in some way uh mm -hmm. some sort of murder that happened um to her dad's friend or, or disappearance i should say um so the, it looks promising like this this stuff always depends on the child actor and this one seemed from the trailer to be pretty good so interested mm -hmm. there and defending jacob stars chris evans captain america as uh, as a father whose son his teenage son is accused of murdering uh, his friend hmm. so that one looks the, the trailers you can find it on the apple tv plus app They're, they look pretty good so we might give those a try when they come out in april i want to say yeah um oh devs i've been watching devs hmm. what the one about developers Right, that's on FX. Wait, is that only on Hulu or is that on normal FX? I live in Canada. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> FX, it's on FX, yeah. Okay. For us, it's on normal FX. I think I might have FX through YouTube TV, so I'll see if I can find it. Otherwise, if it's on Hulu, then I'll have to wait. I'll have to wait to the binging period when I when I binge um, uh, the Orville season three and <laughs> whatever season is current for uh, Handmaid's Tale yeah. and other stuff. Did you guys watch Zombieland 2 yet? Uh, Double Tap? Yeah. That was, yeah, yeah, I've seen that one i haven't watched it yet. i enjoyed that more than i thought i would it, like i i enjoyed it on uh what's it on uh i got it off of um uh, i watched it on an airplane first and then i got it off of itunes because i wanted to watch it on a bigger screen oh, yeah? um, mm -hmm. but yeah it's 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 it, it surprisingly keeps the quality up it's not like high art but it's funny it's really funny 
Hmm. Hope you paid attention because that's what things are going to be like real soon. <laughs> start, start, start choosing a new home if you were kind of jealous of one. It's like, yeah, Grace, Graceland sounds good, and uh, I do think I'm going to start pricing out monster trucks. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that uh, IMAX movie by uh, Christopher Nolan is going to come out on. Yeah, that's a good uh, question. That wasn't to, coming till later so in the summer, though. I think, right? So I'm looking at some pre-orders here. We've got Bad Boys for Life. We've got Sonic the Hedgehog, um, Call of the Wild. I don't know which it's Christopher Nolan part. IMAX movie you guys are talking about. Tenet? Tenet? Oh, Tenet, yeah. Yeah, Tenet. T-N-E-T. It's supposed to come out in uh, July July 16th, I think is uh, July 17th is when it's supposed to be in theaters. So maybe by then they figure they're safe. They showed the the scene from it ahead of Star Wars? Something we saw. Yeah, something like that, yeah. They showed the... I've seen it a couple of times now. And the IMAX another... version, and it looks like, I mean, Nolan's a great filmmaker, but it looks really interesting. Yeah, I think Aruna and I went to some didn't, I think Arun and I went to see something recently. Oh, 1917. Yeah, 1917. Yeah. 17, yeah. 1917. And they showed another tra- trailer before that. And they showed more of, like, it was less of a te- teaser than the previous version mm-hmm. of the trailer. Probably released, uh, probably let out too much of the story. So, in my opinion. I don't know. I we'll watched it. It was like a 10 minute scene and I still had no clue what was happening. But I was like, I'm, I'm in. Like, it looks really cool, but it's hard to understand what's happening. Anyway, I have to Kay. go. And you have to go. And I have to go. All All right. Have a good night, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.